0: Hello and welcome back to the F24 podcast, my name is David, and well, it's been pretty much a year since I last dropped a conversation with a creative based around where they're from, how they found culture and what influenced them to become creatives. But what a fucking year, what a head spin. We've all been in the maddest times of our lives, an experience that will stay with us and also hopefully help us resonate and empathise with others all over the planet. We've all been through it, the panic, the anxiety, the uncertainty and the slight relief when we saw that light at the end of a very fucking long tunnel. We're we'll getting there, people. It's a new world, though. Low has and will continue to change over the following years. But you know what stays with us? Our creativity. And it only evolves. And if you're lucky, you've had a chance to really nurture that part in your lives over this mental time. For me, like a lot of people, billions of people, by April last year, all my work was cancelled or paused. And I wasn't sure I was going to continue my business. Stayed at home at the start of lockdown and made a little art den in my garden and started painting and sculpting and painted some large pieces near my home in random places. But maybe two or three weeks in, I started to go back to the studio. I was riding 30 miles a day to be in my place, as we weren't sure about traveling trains and its safety. I also needed to get fitter. I started a project called Quarantine artworks produced in lockdown. I produced 16 zines in total, each artist showing what they've been up to from March all the way through to probably mid to late summer really enjoyed that and then I started to plan to work towards a solo show by September I had a nice body of work and I produced the last few pieces and called the show staying connected it was something I was feeling I wanted to achieve and my paintings I thought resembled that I didn't actually get to do the show the back and forth of lockdown made timing hard but I've had a load of friends pass through and they've all given me some great feedback and amazing words and I was more than happy to have accomplished putting it together that was a nice feeling by the end of the year though, I was back on. Business started to come back. The biggest project of my career came up. That is an amazing feeling, but I won't forget the time I spent painting. It taught me a lot and gave me a lot. As I always say, art wins. So within all of that, I had a break from my podcast. 2021 started and I thought it was the right time to get back into the conversations. I love it and I missed it. And now my head's in the right place. I've had three chats so far, all amazing. And the first to drop is Ask you from the TMD crew hailing from Auckland, New Zealand. This dude's been around the world and back a couple of times for his love for graffiti and our culture. I met him back in 2006 when he was on his second European tour and passed by Brighton where my shop was to paint the Sleeping Giants Graph jam, and we were all in awe. He came along with German King Can 2 and the Montana team and met MSK's Reebok and Rhyme, where they nurtured their friendship. Aski's been pushing style for years now, especially over the last decade. And to have a couple of hours of him explaining how he found the culture, what pushed and helped him assert himself to make New Zealand a country worth the high regard it deserves for graffiti, and how it gave him the confidence to keep it going and become the great artist he is today. It was a real amazing conversation. I loved it. Go and check out his Instagram while you listen, at Askew1, A-S-K-E-W-O-N-E. This is some of Askew's Auckland culture and creativity story. This is F24.
1: All right, cool. Well, I'm hitting record on, on this end. All right, we're good. We're good. Nice. <laughs> Sweet, man. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. We're in. Mate, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a weird thing because
0: we've just had to get used to Skype calls and Zoom calls and, and the sound that they, they emit. You yeah, know, tell whether, me about it's, it. whether it's business or, you know, friendship or, or recording a podcast, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this is part of our life now. Oh, I see. Is, it,
1: it really is. <laughs> this is quality of know, life. it's, it's really... It was funny, we were, we were talking about it over dinner, like, um, my wife and I just got back to New Zealand two weeks ago, we just got out of, like, managed isolation yesterday morning at 7am, well,
0: Jesus,
1: yeah, yeah, which which is, you know, interesting experience in itself, but, yeah. um, we, we, we've been in California for the last nine months, oh my and God. prior to that, we, we used to live in New York City, and, um... You know, we've kind of been through it. You know what I mean? We've been through this whole kind of COVID experience, and my wife was really at the, like, she was stuck in New York City at the peak of the first wave and everything. But we just haven't done some really, really normal things in a in a really long time. Like yesterday morning, we went to a cafe and I had some scrambled eggs on toast. You know, I, I can make that at home, but <laughs> it's a different feeling <laughs> though going out, man. It's a different it is, feeling. Man. Yeah, we were talking about it, and I was like, "You know, it's been nine months for me." And she was like, "You know, it's been closer to like almost between twelve and thirteen months." Oh my god! So, so, yeah, we were like, "Wow, this is surreal," you know, properly, very strange.
0: Properly surreal. <laughs> yeah, we've actually just uh, my partner and I have just moved back to London. We've been my studio has always been in London, but we were living on a narrow boat about fifteen mm. miles away.
1: Yeah, I know from listening to the podcast, this is really cool, really interesting, yeah. It was an
0: amazing way of life and we did it for five years, but um, the last year paid Mm. its toll because my partner's a therapist, she's been at home, obviously Mm. on the boat, doing all her Zoom calls, hadn't seen London for pretty much the same, about a year, and uh, Mm -hmm. we managed to get in the the lull of the the lockdowns, we we did manage to go out and stay, but it's such a surreal time. And such like a turning point in how we all live now, and I I just can't believe we missed out in a whole of twenty twenty. I I still can't really get to grips (laughs) with the fact that twenty twenty just came and
1: went. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it it was it was um it was an interesting yeah you know uh, a lot of positives and a lot of negatives you know but uh yeah. I, I'm I'm glad to be in New Zealand right now. I'm glad to be here in Aotearoa. Like, I put my feet on the ground and I, I felt the stress, you know, of the last year, especially just the kind of political climate in the United States being I can't what it was. I can't imagine yeah, how you, know, you must it, have been
0: feeling. And to go know, from New York uh, to LA as well, where, you know, both places were hit really hard. You obviously, your home mm-hmm. is on the other side of the planet. Like... That must have been yeah. a fucking mind trip, man.
1: Well, we were actually we were in San Jose, not LA, but it okay. was also very, very, very bad. Like Santa Clara County, where where we live, um, uh-huh. was was one of the first counties to get hit, yeah, and um, and it sort of it's maintained you know very strong there you know but Los Angeles County obviously on the on the west coast has, has just been absolutely diabolical yeah. i think now currently it's the global epicentre of the, of the pandemic so oh my god no it's been it's been interesting man you know america being what it is culturally yeah and the uk is going through shades of that and yep. brazil is going through shades of that and yep. you know a lot of a lot of places you know poland so got France... got similar yeah, Poland, France, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. We've got similar things going on, you know, culturally that and, and it's 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 really like low trust societies. Yeah. You know, we um, yeah, very much so. maintaining the the construct of a society, you know, yeah. we know it's well, very illusionary. Yeah. But it's but it's but it requires a certain amount of trust, you know, does, a, a, a certain amount of buy in.
0: <laughs> well, from everyone and, and, emp- Empathy Empathy to run along with trust mm-hmm. would have solved a lot of problems Basically I believe mm-hmm. David Cameron Our Previous PM mm-hmm. Before Theresa May If that posh little twat Didn't fucking Think that everyone Was going to go with him And not mm-hmm. Vote for Brexit After the way the government Had treated yeah. the country I, I, I didn't vote for Brexit And the majority of the people I yeah. know didn't vote for Brexit But the point being The Conservative exactly. government Have fucked up this country So badly that the people Mm -hmm. were like, no, fuck you. We're not going with you. And like 51% Mm -hmm. of them decided we're going to leave. And I think that stand Mm. of nationalism, which was so fucked up, Mm. was the Mm -hmm. spark worldwide. I think it's the reason Mm -hmm. Trump got into power. It's the reason Bolsonaro managed to get a grip on his country. It's why Mm -hmm. all these other, like this nationalistic movement, which is so stupid in this century. It's so, (laughs) the fact (laughs) that we're so connected like, mm-hmm. how easy was this? You're on the other side of the planet. This was like, yeah, let's mm-hmm. have a chat. 9 a.m. UK time. Yep, brilliant. 10 p.m. Porn. You know, how can we be nationalistic? We're all the fucking same. Mm-hmm. And I swear, it was David yeah. Cameron and that guy. I, I just hope he hasn't slept since then. That cockiness that he yeah. thought he could give the public. Like, oh, no, you'll go with me. You won't vote for this. You won't vote for this. Shut up, you fucking mm. twat. You've treated everyone so badly. Anyway, thats mm-hmm. I, I believe that was the start of it. And it was nuts to have COVID come along. And I was writing about this last night. Like, I think it, mm-hmm. it, hopefully what can happen is that we've all realized we've gone through the same thing. And yeah. literally, it wasn't just my city or my country. It wasn't yours. Mm-hmm. It, it was everywhere. Every single person mm-hmm. on the planet has been affected unless they're in the most, most remotest of places. And um, mm-hmm. I just hope that spreads empathy and trust and understanding, like that whole experience, I hope that's one big positive that's going to come out of it. Is that, and I'm actually, we are the same as the skinhead in Poland, and we are the same as the black guy in Jamaica, and we are the same as the the guy sitting in New Zealand. We are the same as the Chinese. We're, we're human fucking beings. This nationalistic movement mm-hmm. kills me, kills mm-hmm.
1: me. I, I mean, mean just... you know, it's interesting because I I uh, I really like the the work of uh, the writing of uh, Timothy Snyder. Okay. You know, who's a um, an expert on authoritarianism, but he also is an expert on Russian history. Okay, we can and, uh, just read a, bo- a great book called The Road to Unfreedom, um, oh, which I've is a really, really amazing look at Russian history, especially kind of like um, post-Cold War uh-huh. and its influence on on European, especially UK politics, and yeah. then that inf- that influence on US politics, and it's a very very fascinating book. I might check it's that out. Very up, well man. researched. Yeah, it's a, it's well worth worth reading because um, it's all very connected, very yeah. connected. You know what I mean? And um, it's got a lot to do with what we're talking about. Yeah, you know the. It's, uh, he, he puts it in the terms of um, uh, it's the uh, inevitability politics and eternity politics. Okay. And, um, you know, he said that the United States has sort of existed for a long time in the politics of inevitability, which is this idea that everything is heading to a gradual, more liberal point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that kind of sort of then gives way for what they call eternity politics, which is the when people sort of, come to the realisation that nothing ever really changes, Yeah. then they sort of give up and they, they, they surrender to this idea that it's all fucked and civics aren't worth kind of being involved in and, yeah. you know, basically that it's it's all so corrupt and so rubbish that, you know, you might as well just kind of, you know, pretend it doesn't exist oh, and, God. and and just accept your fate. And that's that's when fascism kind of creeps its, its yeah. way in, you know. We're, we're, and so we're that's that's kind going of like, through that here
0: right now. They're literally they're mm-hmm, pushing mm-hmm. fascism on our country so heavily um, mm-hmm. And they're trying to lock us down in many other they basically They're trying to pass a law at the minute uh, About um, protests And they're going to make mm-hmm. it fully illegal I've been, I've been following and it's, it's, like, it's just very scary It is, it's just like, hang on one sec man We're meant to be a fucking first world nation We're meant to have this fucking immense intelligence And this fucking amazing history that we can learn from What the
1: fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's wild Very wild It's a wild man. time
1: man it yeah, is. it's it's been it's it's been it's been an interesting year, man. I, I, I like I feel really grateful for some aspects. Mm-hmm. I, I feel very lucky that I got to to slow down mm, in, yes. in many Snap. ways. So I, I got to spend a lot of time, you know, because I spent the first lockdown, the first um, I came. What happened was like yeah. my wife and I went to Mexico City for her birthday at right. the beginning of March okay. last year we were living in New York city. We had an apartment in Brooklyn. We'd been there for, you know, almost four years. Wow. And, um, yeah, went, went out um, uh, to Mexico City, which was absolutely incredible. My, my wife always jokes she had the last, like, really good birthday party out of anyone she knows <laughs> in, like, 2020. Like, we had this, like, amazing six days in Mexico City. Beautiful. I had done my last project in the United States in September 2019, mm-hmm. and that money had carried me all the way through until that point but I was dead broke by the end of that trip and I told her I'm going to have to take whatever job comes I'm I'm taking it now the pandemic is this thing that's bubbling away in the media yeah and uh you know we're aware of it you know but I'm not trying to be alarmist at this point because you know like I've been traveling the world for a long time and I traveled through many like pandemics. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like when, when SARS, you know, like bird flu, swine flu, like I was traveling through like Asian airports, like during those times and seeing everybody masked up and kind of being aware that it was happening, never got sick. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the thought, you know, kind of underestimated this whole thing a little bit, but even still we leave New York city and it's like, there's two reported cases. We get back to New York city and it's like, you know, something like two hundred and eighty, and within, within six, six days. days, and they've co- yeah, yeah, and they've, they've like declared a state of emergency. And meanwhile, while we're in Mexico City, I've picked up the first job I can, which is back home in New Zealand.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm back in New York for you know less than twenty four hours. I jump straight on a flight. I fly home, um, and within the twenty four to thirty six hours or whatever that I was in transit and traveling back,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, basically. Um, New York had got like somewhere close to seven or eight hundred cases. Jesus. And we were on the phone straight away, and we're like, "This is really serious. Like, this is looking bad." And we were like, "Damn, what happens? Like, what happens if they they close the border? Mm. You know, is that is that a possibility? What if I can't travel? What if I get stuck? Within three days, they closed the New Zealand border. Oh god. Countries all around the world started closing the border. And then within another week, um, we went into like a, a full on, very strict lockdown, like New Zealand lockdowns are like, no joke, you know, it's yeah, like you could on. never make, you could never make them do this in, in America, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, they just wouldn't do it because culturally it's just, it's just beyond them. So, so yeah, so we did five weeks and they really got this thing under control, man. Like they really like, they've had a few like outbreaks, you know, and a few things have slipped through like the kind of managed isolation kind yeah. of you know, protocols that they have or whatever, you know, a few anomalies are on the way. They've had a couple of more lockdowns that have been like a week, you know, or two weeks or yeah. whatever, and they get it under control. They have contact tracing. They can get to the source of, you know, who, who, you know, who got it, whose patient zero, who went where, who had contact with who, you know, they do the genome like sequencing and they know exactly like what strain it is, whether it's a, 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 a you know, maybe a case, you know, of like, you know, that it's been dormant community transmission or if it's brand new that it's come through, like they work all this shit out real quick. competent. Boom, they deal with it. They deal with it. It's very efficient. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. like, um, for the most part, everybody just lives their lives, man. Like, uh, yesterday I, you know, I went to a food court, you know, it was packed. I stood in the elevator and some people were standing way too close and so it was like a very mm. weird feeling after mm. like a year of like basically being socially distanced. But it was, you know, it's like life is kind of normal here, you know what I mean, and that's that's the price. you know. Did you, so that's your, your wife was still in the US when you got back to New Zealand? Mm, so she she was in New York City, well Brooklyn, mm. she was there. So basically we did five weeks I was stuck here, at first and then like things started to open up back here we weighed up like i knew i could leave mm-hmm. but i knew i couldn't make money once i got to the to the united US. states so yeah. it was like what's what's the best strategy so we gave up our apartment um she basically she packed down our whole apartment herself she wow. got everything into a moving truck sent it across to san jose which is her hometown okay we moved back moved into a like the basement apartment below her, her parents' place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went back to work. Meanwhile, while I'm working, then all of the unrest around the George Floyd yeah. uh, murder and everything that, and all the black lives matter stuff, like really kicked into gear in a serious way. Mm. And I knew it would, I mean, you know, I was, I was telling her, you know, like, I, i I've, I've got a feeling that this, situation this is different yeah you know this is really gonna explode i could i could just tell the first day i read it in the news i was like it's gonna get serious yeah and uh you know i'm up i'm up a lift i'm able to work again and i'm working on a big mural one mm-hmm. of the most challenging murals of my life you know like down in lower Hut, um just like getting cold or whatever and it's just like a challenge and I'm talking to her. I'm stressed because she's sitting in an apartment with no furniture, and oh, um, you know they they, they burned a police vehicle outside a house. <laughs> oh my <laughs> like god! Right, riot police like driving up and down the street, like terrorizing everybody and kind of bullying everyone. And um, I remember seeing footage she's like, like that. I wanna, yeah, and she's like, I want to get out and march, and I'm like, of course, you know, 100 percent support you, but you know, please be safe, like keep yeah. your mask on you know, be responsible, don't get beaten up by the police, you yeah. know. Keep <laughs> so out of that way. It, it was just, yeah, it was a wild time, man. It was just like, it was a lot, you know, like we just kind of like, you know, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely was a year to remember, that's for
0: sure. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. But i tell you what, one other thing I wrote about yesterday was the, f- thank fuck we're creative, man. Thank God we've got this art mm-hmm. bug in us. And this, this no thing doubt. to like really make this time therapeutical if we had the ability and the chance to do so you know um, mm-hmm. finding that time for me was um, like my business everything disappeared in March Ace mm-hmm. Hotel, I was meant to go back to Ace I had some jobs lined up with Universal I, everything was good mm. I was ready for a really killer year i just turned 40 Mm -hmm. on New Year's Day of 2020, so I was excited. I was like, Mm "Wow, I'm 40 now. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And then it all went. By April, everything was done. I was back home on the boat and just started Mm -hmm. painting. And I was so grateful that I wanted and could paint. And uh, I started producing all this work on paper and started sculpting. Mm. And then when I got back to my studio after the first lockdown, I started to put together this show. But I literally was like if I didn't have art, my business had literally disappeared and I didn't know what the Mm -hmm. fuck I was going to do. I was like, this Mm -hmm. is the weirdest time. I've been in business 18 years. This is just fucking nuts. And the the effect, the the mental effect of it was supreme. And that's why I'm hoping Mm. that this empathy thing rides around the world and so we all understand each other a bit more, have a bit more patience. Mm -hmm. But uh, how grateful I was that I wanted to paint I could paint I could produce like all that or just literally from our hands we are so lucky Mm. so lucky yeah man
1: I mean you know it's it's interesting because I I relate to that so much you know mm. like um, when they were talking they they had different tier like tier kind of lockdowns here and we were on like level three or whatever, and I could still go to my studio. I've kept a studio in Auckland this whole time because oh, it was wicked. actually even cheaper than pay- paying for storage. So, <laughs> nice. in space, I was getting really involved in these paintings just being like all right this me i'm just gonna come here and weather this out yeah and then it was like they announced that it was like the next level was like don't leave your fucking house level yeah (laughs) unless you gotta gonna go and and uh do your groceries and that was fine and you were allowed to exercise like and you had to stay within like a two kilometer like radius essentially of your house and um I, i knew i could take a little bit of paint supplies and stuff back to my parents' house and it wouldn't be too imposing. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: but you know, I, I, up up working digitally, uh, you know, working on my iPad a lot, mm. start playing with Forger and, and making these kind of 3d sculptures and then mapping them with textures. I was, I was creating, um, you know, and I was using like the kind of like a Z brush to like paint, paint these sculptures and then like creating these backgrounds and procreate and, and i started uploading one every every single day and it, it just gave me something you know it gave me something to work on was, that, was um, that purely brand new work as well do you think mm it it, it was completely like I had been heading in that direction cause I've been making these 3D scan mm-hmm. works that were mapped with street texture, but without the ability to go out and really like explore and navigate the city and kind mm-hmm. of uh, photograph all the textures and everything, I had to start generating my own. Amazing. So it, it, just, it just changed my entire workflow. And, and then rather than like 3D scanning, like I brought, I had my 3D scanner with me, but it was like, how many objects am I going to scan in my parents' house? You know, I was just like, okay, I'll I'm just going to sculpt these random shapes myself and kind Amazing. of play around with them. And it's, it's shifted my whole mentality, like my whole, my whole focus changed. So I was pretty grateful. You know, Did I was
0: it, grateful for that. I fully really resonate with that. What you just said, I, the, I haven't, I've mm. been an artist for many years, but I've been a businessman. I've been bringing mm-hmm. up my kid. I've been, you know, paying the bills or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I didn't go a hundred percent into art at any point. I just sold a load of paintings
1: because I had a mm-hmm.
0: gallery or whatever. What I produced last year, um, I ended up calling Staying Connected because that was the feeling I had mm. like throughout the whole thing was that I just want to be in, connected with people and we're obviously missing yeah. that. But it really, the time and the restriction really helped me mould what I got to do. And, mm-hmm. and that, it was another blessing from the fact that, no, you just stop right there. You're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. You go home mm-hmm. and you sit on your ass yep. and you figure this out. And be scared Mm because outside people are dying. And don't get on a train. And don't go shops. And and so Mm -hmm. that that whole restrictive, like all those measures that came in, it really started to squeeze out this creativity out of me that I didn't Mm -hmm. know I actually had. Like I've always been creative, and obviously being a writer, it's it's a non-stop thing, whatever. But the art I was coming up with, I was like, the fuck, man. I'll tell you what else, but the iPad. The iPad is a feat of engineering that I'm I'm fully in love with. Like that's oh, the, yeah, me too. It's the me basis too. of my work. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's where I start my designs before I go to paint them and having that time to sit with it and uh, utilize and understand that piece of equipment to then make something was a beautiful feeling, man. Like it again, just back to the, I'm so grateful I'm creative. I ended up actually, Riding because I didn't want to get on a train, I was riding 30 miles mm-hmm. a day to get back to my studio. And, um, oh, that's my, awesome. my studio's near the canal, and I obviously lived on the canal, so mm-hmm. I did 15 miles of canal here and back. So, wow. I, I wasn't on the streets, the canal was dead, there was no one out there, and mm-hmm. it was, I was Amazing. like, well, I, I could get away with this, I'm not causing too much of a problem. And, um, mm-hmm. that, that got me back to my space, but, um, the yeah. chance to stop we- everything and paint was. A blessing it was amazing well
1: well that's another thing like i'm glad you kind of brought that up because like um actually i got back into exercise in a, in a really really Wicked. positive way you know my friend charles he's one of my best friends uh-huh. um, he writes fat one yep and uh and he he's gotten super into long distance running right um in the last couple of years like he, he just ran like an ultra marathon like a few weeks ago it was like 102 kilometers oh my god and um yeah. Yeah. He's, he's insane. Like he's always been a super extreme Jesus. guy, but, um, he, he, yeah, he, he started motivating us to, to train, you know, we, we could only leave, we could only really like do like a kind of like a circle around a kind of, you know, within our two mile radius yeah. or whatever, but we started mapping kind of routes within that kind of radius Mm -hmm. and and doing runs and training. And we all did um, on the same day, we ran a half marathon one day during the peak of our our lockdown. Um, I think there was about 20, 25 of us that did Uh, it all in our respective areas. Yeah, it was really cool because I've actually, I've come close to that distance before. But truthfully, the last time I trained for like a half marathon, like I got to like 18 kilometers or something. It's like, I like that to me is like a long time, like, um, and it's a long run, you know, yeah. I haven't got to this kind of level that he's got. But um, yeah, I, I, I ran my, my 21 kilometers, you know what I That's mean? And, um, and it felt great. And I got really back into into that. I got really seriously into reading. Like I just got super obsessed with reading in the last year. Read so many fucking books. Like I think a lot of audio books, like while kid. I was painting as well, which is, yeah, awesome. I think that it's, I'm, I'm,
0: I'm back on, my business is back. I've actually walked into mm. the biggest project of my life, um, mm-hmm. which, which came through in November last year. and. Um, other bits and pieces of work are flying back in as well but i I keep telling myself on a daily basis don't go back to what you were doing Mm -hmm. like look i I produced a load of art last year i produced a load of zines i I painted Mm -hmm. walls i chatted to friends who i hadn't chatted to in ages and it was like Mm -hmm. and i did some exercise and i'm like no that's staying with me like work is brilliant Mm -hmm. work's important we need to pay the bills we've got to look after ourselves and gain security but yeah, I'm not going back 100 percent like I was before because yeah, it was pointless. I, I think it's it, a good call. It disappeared. Yeah. It literally dis. All that work I put in and it just disappeared. And you're like, well, what mm-hmm. didn't disappear was me, and and mm-hmm. what I'm what I'm personally capable of, and the things that help and nurture my life. And I really hope mm-hmm. that yes, like I, I bring my bike with me still everywhere now. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm, I I started the podcast again because I was just like, well, you've had a year break, but you're now back at work you need to make sure you do the things you really love I love my work I really do I'm Mm. I'm, I'm fully obsessed with my work and I'm I'm grateful I get paid to do what I do but let me have some of my time and uh, I'm producing a painting again I've got another painting on the wall that I'm halfway through or a third of the way into and I've got ideas planning so I'm just trying to make sure that all that stuff we did take went through last year I'm trying to keep those positives in my life from now on like understand Mm. that you know I was just—I was working way too much, and I just want to make sure that I don't go back to it. And we do do exercise, and we, we see friends, and we produce mm-hmm. the work we want to produce without any monetary
1: value—just produce work, you know. <clears throat> It's—I um, think that's—I think that's so important. I think yeah. that's all very important stuff. And I think, you know, that's that's a very beautiful silver lining yeah. in yeah. a situation that's been really mostly negative for Horrific. a lot of people. Um, yeah. Horrific but, for some but people. This, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but if there's anything, we've, we've got that. And, you yeah. know, like I, I hope that, you know, I, I like that you, you brought the, the focus to the word empathy because empathy is a word that um, – is with me a lot of the time, I think about it a lot. Mm. I focus on what that is and I try to use it as a guiding principle
2: mm.
1: for a lot of what I do, you know, yeah. and how I conduct myself. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I thought for a long time about writing that word because I just think it's, I, I have done empathy pieces. I think it's 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 just, you know, I think it's it's such a powerful kind of mode, you know it's, what I mean, for like how you navigate and how you interact yeah. and I how you understand. I've
0: never used it as much. And I I mean, I've been in therapy for two years and I was in therapy for 18 months, about four or five years Mm. ago. So I learned a lot about it. My Mm -hmm. girlfriend's a therapist, as I said, she's all about empathy. That's how she does her job. Mm. But the importance and the significance and the weight of that word really came like Mm -hmm. full circle for me last year. And to really put that into action, like don't just Mm -hmm. know the word, do the word. Like, Mm. and the more we can do and live by that word, the, the healthier and cleaner our societies are going to be. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, I yeah, agree. I, I want to keep using it and keep saying it. And you know, I saw there's a this unfortunately a horrible story that a girl got murdered last week by a policeman. I've, been, the, I've
1: been following in this in the yeah. UK.
0: Absolutely disgusting and horrible fucking mm-hmm. story. Poor girl. And at the vigil on the weekend, I just saw, I saw one photo of this woman, and she just she had this patch sewed to the back of her jacket and it just said i am empathy and i just thought Mm. brilliant fucking love it and she's just like she's not even shouting Mm -hmm. she's wearing it on her back like that's how much Mm -hmm. that word needs to be pushed out and understood and um i thought it was a beautiful photo man unfortunate day again the police turned out to be a bunch of dickheads but we already knew
1: that yeah (laughs) yeah it's kind of weird self-fulfilling prophecy isn't it (laughs) It it's like they can't Really was, yeah. There's been there's been too much of that in the last year, sadly. People yeah. reinf- reinforcing, you know, reinforcing that kind of expectation, yeah. you know, and that's that's you know, it's like, come on, show us something different. Yeah, I think now's now the time. I think the people are going to win. Like I
0: know these governments mm-hmm. are fucking hard bearing and controlling and overwhelming, mm-hmm. but there's too many of us, and we're too alike. And I think that's that's yeah. being realised, and um, I think we'll win in in the long run. The people will win, and we will be okay. Mm-hmm. But what a fucking time!
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. what a fucking well, time! You know, it was it's, it's all been brewing for a while. Yes. you know, it was it was it was inevitable that it was going to come to a come to a head at some point you know so here we are here here we are here we are man (laughs) well look again it's
0: the fact that i was just like well i can't have people come to my studio and i I can't do this and so when that started to happen Mm -hmm. last year i was like well let me just chat to people elsewhere i chatted to Mm -hmm. vents actually one of your countrymen
1: i chatted to vents a
0: wicked podcast and i've chatted to one of my
1: one of my very very good friends like one uh, of the people that I started doing this stuff with like uh, if, if it wasn't for him you know I don't know if I would be here because it's like he you was know, just a little bit older than me at school he's a year older than me yeah. but he was two years ahead of me at high school and we, okay. we were at the same school and um you know like I gravitated towards him and a few other people in the same social group that were really knowledgeable at a very young age, about a lot of things, you know, and a lot uh, of things just outside, outside of like, school and not your conventional yeah. stuff. Yeah, mm, he 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 always had a really good eye for fashion. He's always been a really put together guy. He, he's got a really good eye for design, and yeah. he works as a graphic designer, so yeah. he's 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 really good at that. Um, but he's he's um you know he he was into the music thing, and mm. I was into the music thing. I loved I loved pop music. And I was just steaming for it when I got to high school. I wanted to wanted to immerse myself and, you know, I want to soak it all up. I wanted to know everything because all I had known growing up in the area that I did and kind of growing up more, kind of, you know, just more around hood kids that just had what was accessible, which was yeah. mostly like kind of what was on commercial radio and stuff. Yeah. You know, when I got got to that school and there were kids that were from different, like a range of neighborhoods who were, you know, exposed to like, you know, a lot of stuff that I wasn't yet. Yeah. They, they put me on it and they, you know, I would, I would always dub whatever they had. He would buy a new record and I would get a recording of it. Or, <laughs> Wicked. You know, we had, we had one friend whose older brother was in a rap group with Zane Lowe. Oh yeah. I remember and, Zane's uh, rap yeah, group. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they're called Urban Disturbance, and yeah. this guy was called Ollie Green. His his younger brother Guy was like our really close friend, and mm-hmm. then Vince grew up with them as well. Like he was a family friend, like their okay. parents are friends and everything. So we would kind of orbit around that household too. Like kind of like whatever, you know, like whatever Guy had, you know, he'd have whatever his brother was listening to, which was whatever like Zane and and like Manuel Bundy, who was like a really prolific DJ back then. Like these guys, so. We, we were really lucky. We were, like, young and really exposed, you know, to the source, like, the people that were sort of at the epicenter of what was going on at that time. It was it was rad, you know. It was so cool. So, was um, yeah. He the, the, uh, the start for hip-hop for you was literally,
0: like, in your area, what, what tracks were being played on radio, what the kids were jamming out to and remembering words mm-hmm. from. That was your introduction to it. Mm-hmm. And then they brought like, you the depth mean, when you got to high school.
1: Yeah, more like, like growing up where I grew up, like I, I come from an area that now is, is, is a super gentrified area. So yeah. It's like pretty flash now, like, uh, but it was, it was very hood. Different world. When I was young, when we, yeah, when we moved here. It was like, I mean, all my, my, all my parents, all my friends' parents were all, you know, uh, immigrants from, from other places. Okay. You know, and, and uh, very blue collar. Uh-huh. Everybody, you know, was kind of very working class and very blue collar, like, you know, hardworking. Yeah. And uh, all, of, all of us were just super into what was on the radio. We knew we gravitated towards like hip hop music. But, you know, like we would hear occasionally something. We, we could get exposed to something good once yeah. in a while. But, but but then, and it's not to say the stuff that, we, that was on the radio wasn't good because... But it was the more commercial end so yeah. like it was a lot of a kind of you know new jack swing kind of sound was big it was like your bell with devos you know and bobby brown and and you know yeah ll cool j you know like more of this commercial side of what he was doing you know yeah that type of
0: stuff there's a trait of the radio as well and although radio was a i think it was a lot more independent back then but it there was there's always mm. been a trait with the radio these are the hits so you're not hearing mm-hmm, the B exactly. sides too much. You're not hearing the, the other tracks yeah. on the 15 track album. Yeah. You're not hearing single, single right. types of people, but it's a great introduction to these are the good hits, and a, yeah. a, a great introduction. Yeah.
1: And when I got to high school, then it was just suddenly through through guys like Vince and and other people like that I hung out with, you know. Then suddenly it was like Gangsta and Tribal Quest and The Far Side and Freestyle Fellowship and I don't know. It was just like, it was just like kind of different stuff, you know. Like, um, then Wu Tang came out. It's like, yeah. I mean, I remember that. That was like a lightning bolt to the head. <laughs> first time I heard, like, w- Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to the fuck with. Come on, man. That was fucking and, like, crazy. Some, <laughs> I mean, I just couldn't even comprehend what it was because <laughs> it, it was this clue? clumsy, dirty, grimy. I just, uh, I was just like, what the hell? But the first two Wu Tang songs I heard was that and Cream, you know, and I oh, was just good. like, what the. Yeah. you know and i was just like i was changed you know i was completely changed the first time mm-hmm.
0: i heard that i was in my school and the teacher hadn't turned up so we had the classroom to ourselves and i think my mate mm. william he, he put it on and we were like what the fuck is this and it was so weird compared to what we'd been listening to mm. i think i'd obviously got into biggie before that or whatever it was so mm-hmm. different yeah but it just seemed to answer questions like so quickly mm. that the, the, the production and the, the sounds of the voices and the lyric. I don't even know if I understood mm. the lyrics because they were just so militant. I couldn't get to grips with what they were talking about. But there was this energy that was just like, mm. oh, my, this is special, and I'm here to see it's
1: it. So- there's so much within the Wu Tang universe that I've only started to kind of I've only started to decode properly in the last few, of, like maybe three or four years. I mean, since that uh, documentary, the Mike's and Men documentary yeah. came out, you know, it just answered so many questions. I read like, RZA's, like Dao like a Wu, and I yeah. was like, oh, okay, like I was piecing together a bit more and then you know like even though it's a little corny but you know I do like the Wu Tang American Saga series like it's kind of dramatized it a bit but yeah. like it, it it does kind of things kind of slot into place and and then living in New York for four years like then I started to kind of see street names and kind of associate like places with lyrics like and and certain words you know that like weren't words that were kind of in the general kind of you know vernacular idea yeah. yeah, that suddenly like in a New York context oh I understand now what they're saying you I know get that, realize yeah. it's sort of I'd, I'd made up so many of the lyrics you know like you know like when you don't <laughs> really entirely understand and you're like a kid and you kind I love of love that you shit. know you yeah yeah you know it's like made up all sorts of random alternate lyrics like retain lyrics which now i'm like oh my god like it's so funny i love that <laughs>
0: shit i've got a french friend mm. called adrian and uh he learned mm. he learned english through hip-hop not all of it not pop, mm-hmm. you know he obviously learned a bit in school but yeah. hip-hop really got him but yeah. i remember going through he came <laughs> to my shop one day it was one evening we were chilling at the shop and we i was playing biggie he kept okay pause that what did he just say Oh, I thought he said... And it was a constant, like, oh, I thought he said this. I thought he said that. And uh, was, I love it, man. That, you know, to, to have a foreign language and to try and understand hip-hop is one thing. We had it in one way already by not being from the US, mm-hmm. but understanding English. Yeah. Um, and then for my French friends, it was fucking hilarious, the shit he came out with. And it's like, no, Adrian, man, he isn't saying that. Talking about tangerines or something. He's not talking about tangerines, bro. <laughs> but yeah, I mean... It's so good, huh? Finding, you know, the power of hip-hop, man, and, like, the energy that it put out across the universe, across the the world, you know, in the 70s and 80s and 90s was Mm. unprecedented, and I still think we're going to see the power of it yet to come. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not I talking agree. about in like a con- in, in conquering the world or a monetary way or superstars. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the the actual culture of it and the impact it's caused and what it's provided mm-hmm. people, the energy it's given people to to do yeah. what they do. It's been so inspiring as a as a sound. Um, I, I, there can't be anything else like it. I don't
1: think there has been anything else like it. There's obviously scenes well, everywhere, think-
0: but. Hip-hop.
1: When I think about what I learned from hip hop and what I learned from graffiti, it's, it's, it's ingenuity, isn't it? It's about yeah, like, there we go. um, taking the, the, the most kind of, um, basic, yeah. essential kind of materials and kind of turning them into something very complex. Yeah, exactly. Like I think of, I think of like being an artist or being a, particularly being someone in the kind of a hip hop artist, you know, like not yeah. just in the musical sense, but, you yeah, know, being from that culture is being like an alchemist, you know. Like I remember going down the train lines and seeing the people that were really prolific in my city at the time, especially like the guys from like Daft Crew, who were like, you know, they were like wizards to me. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I, I wondered how they they made this magic happen. I just, I just like, yeah, yeah. They really, they did. It, it, it was like, how, like, how do you do that? You have to be a visionary. Yeah, you know, like. And and you know like I've always wished that's been my you know this is a little bit kind of on the ego side of things but my my most satisfying thing is kind of evoking that you know reaction in younger people like where like they think I'm a wizard like because like yeah because I remember being being so in awe of that at that age inspires so much
0: I don't think you go I hear what you're saying about you know. Mm. Uh, Apologising for the ego But that's The, the point being yeah. Is if that isn't there The aspiration mm. isn't there For the younger person Like Yeah that's They right. want to be they, They're looking at you As a super Super human, And they want to be that mm. And that, That's where the aspiration comes
1: Yeah I, I think of it Because I, I realise It's a necessary Piece of the puzzle For mm. inspiring Like the next group of artists You know Like they have to kind of think That there's some magic there Yeah definitely You know Definitely. And, I mean, and you know, you know how you know it how It's like you know, once you, once, once you work out how a, a magician does their tricks, you know, yeah. Then it's, it's it's kind of like it's easy to get jaded at that point, you know what I mean? But, but I want to, I want to inspire a little bit of that feeling before people know, you know, like what's behind the magic, you I, know. I, I was chatting. Yeah, you know? I was
0: chatting the other day about you know you start seeing masterpieces as a child, as a kid, when you get into graffiti mm. and you start seeing these full-on burners. When you, when you see your first mm. ones, they're just so mind-boggling. And then there mm. comes the day where you've managed to rack up six cans of paint. Mm-hmm. You haven't just got two or three, you've got six or seven cans. And you go to the <laughs> wall with these big ideas, these grand fucking mm. ideas. I'm going to do like that person did and yeah. it doesn't work and you're like i still haven't got the magic how the fuck have they done <laughs> yeah. that i've got those colors yeah. i've got how mm-hmm. and it just doesn't look the same and you but you know you've done something part of the magic's there mm. you know mm-hmm. you know how to get six or seven cans now you know how to mm. use the you are taken a bit of note and understanding about the caps or how a fade might work and so you've got a little bit of the puzzle and It's all aspirational, man. It's all to just like, oh, I've got to gain more knowledge. I've got to gain more knowledge. And (laughs) I hear what you're saying about a magician, but I think because also, and especially for our generation, Elliot, I think there was no monetary value in it. There was no no end result as such. And I'm not saying there's an end result now in Mm. terms of a monetary value for graffiti writers, but if you're 17 now, 15 now and you find mm. graffiti, you see a complete picture from Tagging to Cause, you know, mm. or Banksy. You see this whole rainbow of directions you can go in. When we started, mm. it was literally, who's the king? I want to be that person. Yeah. Mm. And it, that was, the fact that there was no monetary value for an awful long, large chunk of our careers, I think we're very lucky to have experienced it. Um, and it was mm-hmm. just to express just constantly this, this is how I can express. I, I don't think we realise that at 15. I don't realise I'm expressing no. and letting out the tensions that I'm feeling growing up and these teenage angst and all that. I don't think we realise it, but it's so powerful at what mm-hmm. it does and how it leads us through you know it, it literally that's what this podcast also, is about it's about finding culture and then becoming mm-hmm. a creative person not a creative in the industry but a creative person in adult life mm-hmm.
1: um yeah absolutely but it's interesting you know because like um as a measurement like I've i used my friend Revoke as a measurement. You know, yeah. he's kind of like the 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 yardstick for a lot of things. I he feel is. like uh young people young people want to do whatever he's doing. Yeah. You know, and I realize he has a he has a lot of influence, you know, like whether he sort of recognizes it or not. Yeah. Um and you know, like when he was super active, I think he inspired a lot of people to be really active in that realm. And yeah. I think when he he shifted his focus to contemporary art, I think also. It, it shifted almost the entire graffiti scene globally towards contemporary art like i think almost more so than a cause or yes, anyone else i
0: agree man you it know, was it's, so authentic yeah. and done mm. so well like mm-hmm. it it's jaw-dropping jaw-dropping i wrote my message mm. last year about the fact i sent in my paint i sent a couple of pictures of my paint and i'm like jason man this is it like this is because of those moves you made, I've obviously been inspired. Look at this painting. Mm. Like and he didn't say there was nothing about biting, but I think he could see what I was talking about. There's inspiration here. And look what you're mm-hmm. doing. Like that guy's special, mm. man. I mean, there's a lot of special people mm-hmm. in our culture, but that guy, what he did in the in the graffiti world for, you know, two decades or whatever it was, to this I mean the work he's producing now uh, and has been for mm. whatever it's been 5 7 years has been mind-blowing. Mm. And you're right that he's, transition. He's just
1: like you know he's just like a really intense energy, you know, yeah. like he's a very relentless energy and he's he's like a steamroller, you know, like he's yeah. always, he's always kind of just like pushing forward which I really, I really like about him, you know, like, and I've always found it really inspiring, you know, and he, he's an encouraging dude. You know, like I've found him yeah, he super is. encouraging, he is. yeah, I, which is, which is awesome. I, I think what's interesting is yeah. a lot people that are a lot younger, mm. you know, now come into this culture kind of with a mind to do contemporary art. Like, yes. you know, yeah. when I look at guys that are like 10, 15, even 20 years younger than ourselves, And they really see that as a possibility now, which is—I don't think that was like on our radar. No, No, it wasn't, man. We we, we were that age. I didn't
0: have a clue. I mean, there was a crew called what what, what triggered it. From I basically grew up quite wild in Kilburn, Northwest London, and Mm. I experienced a lot of madness. But I started Mm. writing. And it was like, oh, hang on, this is actually what I want to do. Graffiti is where I'm going to find myself and and get a name, mm-hmm. not from fighting or stealing or whatever the the stupidness mm-hmm. I was up to. Graffiti is going to give me the mm-hmm. name I'm, I'm I'm craving for. I obviously wanted to be known. And uh, mm-hmm. when I met a crew called Nonstop, State of Art, Kane One Hundred and One, they had mm-hmm. a little studio around the corner from my my block of flats, and they were painting t shirts with airbrush, and mm-hmm. it was like. That that was my first bit of direction actually out of the the quagmire of graffiti. Like mm. and especially in the nineties, it was so murky and we knew America was mm-hmm. and Germany were popping off these magazines and videos and there was paint coming and you know, shows mm. had been around for obviously for ten years or whatever, fifteen years. But seeing going into this room and seeing nonstop seeing state of art do his thing, it was like mm. Oh, shit. There's some, that, that's even something more to aspire to that, you know, I can mm-hmm. I can work towards something. And I think what's exciting about Jason is that I'm 40. I'm 41 now. But at 40 years mm. old, I'm in my studio painting, wanting to be like Jason. Not literally, not like <laughs> I was when I was 15 and wanting to be like Bunny. Mm-hmm. But you're just like his energy and his his movement and his... the the way he works and you're right this steamroller thing you're just like that is so fucking inspiring (laughs) and i'm 40 it's like how Mm. it's touching something in me which i didn't think would be alive at this age and um there's a lot of you out there man i think you're the same to be honest bro like the work you started to put i don't comment or like on instagram i've got a weird relationship with instagram but i saw everything you were doing (laughs) And, sure uh, <laughs> I, I do it for my own protection, man. I, I, I spend too much time mm. on there as it is. If I start talking on there and liking, I'm going to be in it even more. So I decide <laughs> not to. But I look at everything <laughs> and... I was looking at your works that you were producing that you spoke about earlier. And I was like, I literally... And I've been jaw-dropped by your work for fucking years since I first... Well, before I met you, then I met you in Brighton. And like, I remember buying mm. one of your prints in, in 2009. I bought that red pyramid print you did, the oh, red and black one. Literally the literally
1: the first screen print I your was Attempted to make. Yeah, amazing. I've got that in my house. Um, <laughs> oh, that's so awesome, bro. <laughs> and like there are these like
0: stalwarts of our, of our culture and that ignite that feeling that I had when I first met State of Art at 15. Mm. And that, I think, mm-hmm. is amazing. Is That's how powerful wow. this culture is. It overrides your age, it overrides that type of... It, it connects with who you are as a person and what mm. you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter about your age. And I think it's going to be even yeah. more interesting as we get to our 50s and 60s and, you know... Yeah, I agree. Completely you know, different know, I,
1: I feel really fortunate, you know, that, that I've been able to meet, like, a lot of my heroes along the way. Uh-huh. And kind of – and be, being that I come from here, I, I, I think it kind of gave me a, a particular advantage, you know, yeah. because it's like an obscure – kind of seen as an obscure and exotic place. You know, when I when I used to um, organize the festival, like, I uh-huh. started out organizing an event when I was about 20 or 21 years old. Uh-huh. And that's how I, I kind of first started, like – you know, and you have to remember, this is still like the early days of the internet in many ways. But, I, I you know, I, I thought the greatest thing in the world was like that. Art crimes existed. And then there oh, was amazing. like a list like of, of all of the artists in the world that were out there that had their own websites in the, in the international section. And I would go on that, and I would like, I would write to people all the time, you know, send them an email. You know, and when I first came up with an idea of putting on a festival, I, um, I, I wrote to Lumen. Funnily oh. enough, Lumet's website hasn't really been updated like since like ninety seven <laughs> or ninety eight. It's the same design, which is really brilliant. interesting. Um, is. If you if, if you go there now, it's the exact same website. Um, it's brilliant. But um, I I wrote to him because I knew he'd been to New Zealand before, and I knew he had like some sort of connection to this place. Cause him and Chintz came here, of course, and like crushed it. In, like yeah, yeah. ninety, I think ninety six or ninety seven, they travelled the whole country. They did like every yard in the country. Fucking hell! And um, before anyone here was really like kind of super onto it either. And um, I wrote to him, and he wrote back. You know, within about forty five minutes, I had a reply, and he, he was like, "Yeah, I'm prepared to like come out for your event or whatever." And I had asked him, you know, do you need an artist fee? Like, what do you need? And he was like, no, I need like an airfare, place to stay, paint, you know, and that's it, you know. Wicked. And I was just like, oh, I, I can do that, you I've know, got that. I, I didn't know. I had no fucking idea how I was going to do that. but seems simple, but yeah, I saw I sought out like this kind of this shady kind of dance party promoter guy that I knew that had seemed to know how to get money from other people and, yeah. and write sponsorship proposals and things like that, and he he kind of. Showed me, you know, like kind of how to go about putting a proposal out there and asking for money and, and, you know, how to market an event and how to, how to kind of do all these things. He, he guided me like a lot and, I, and I brought him out. Wicked. And there was always this thing kind of, you know, from that point, that kind of building that connection with him. And then, you know, I was like to him, like, do you think I could get Dime out here? You know, and he's like, of course, oh he'd love to come there. So it's like a right to Dime, you know, like it just seems to me like the most like, you know, like these people seem untouchable to yeah, me, but completely. I'm writing to them. I'm a really non-established guy. I'm, I'm like really like still green around the ears or whatever. And I'm just like writing to these people, and just through the pure power of where I'm coming from, they're they're like down to come. You know, like who who would turn down a trip to New what,
2: Zealand?
0: Um, you know, what led you to doing that? What was it like those those few years that led up from like so mm. meeting Vince in school and like you know and mm. that gang of people mm-hmm. that. Really, like solidified yeah. that love for hip hop. Like you start yeah. writing then, and uh, you're getting up and yeah, you're part I, of this culture. But what I made worked, you call for a show, like for an event?
1: Like what got mm, you there? Well, like I, I worked in a um, like a graffiti store. Like we've only ha- ever had like one in we new feel. zealand history and it's, it lasted like you know probably less than a year but i yep, used to nice. work there um in my first year out of high school and so i had access to all these graffiti magazines for the first time like prior to that i mean i'd had a copy of like subway art that had no cover yeah it had probably about <laughs> 10 owners They had tags all through it i had a few copies of hype magazine like a couple of ig times or something but like when i went and worked there i suddenly was getting like um back jumps and all these other magazines from europe and and a lot of them um basically like had pages dedicated to like jams yes like you know it'd be like the beast bottom and all these other places and i'd be like wow in europe they have jams they they this thing where like where people paint and they travel around the world, and I had never attended a jam in my life. Um, I didn't attend a jam, I had organized four before or three before I even attended my first one. <laughs> like, I basically, basically, I just imagined in my mind, yeah, from the photos. Yeah, i would never seen a video of like what one of these jams oh, looked like, bro, I, never seen amazing. Anything. I never attended one. I'm just like, I imagined in my mind what this looks like, and I was like, this is what I'm gonna do, and so I just set my mind to doing it because in my mind I figured like I'm really bad at saving money I'm not rich you know yeah. like I don't have a job or nothing I'm just like kind of winging it but I know I can write a sponsorship proposal and I can get the airfare money to bring artists here and then me and all my friends will get to soak up the knowledge from these people like I knew what a I treat. knew that we were just yeah and, and, and it worked like it was sort of crazy and it was like the more people you invited then the more open and willing the next person you asked Brilliant. was like when I met Cantu like Cantu was like the one that just kind of then just opened the, the floodgates open with him. Wicked. Like through him he just kind of connected us to like all these people and then he in turn is the first person that then motivated me to travel. So in 2003 I left the country for the very first time. i went been to Australia. Yeah, I've been to Australia, but 2003 was the first time I came to Europe, like UK, uh-huh. Ireland, and he he got me an invite to Ireland to like a jam, like a festival there in Dublin, and yeah. you know, like I'm I'm, I'm I'm like predominantly of like Irish ancestry, like so it was like a big moment for me to go nice. there for the first time. And, um, and I went there and I came with him and Athens, you know, and it was like a big deal. Like I felt like, I, 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 just, I don't know, I got propelled. You know, I, I met like, um, like Tizer and Shucks there and then Shucks really? was writing for Graphicism and he yeah. got really intrigued with the fact that I came from New Zealand, so he wanted to write an article. So then I ended up like getting in Graphicism at that time. And so that was like the first time I think a lot of people ever knew about me um from from overseas go on then and i um, love Dan, yeah. yeah so so cool so cool so, so cool. it was it was like yeah it was really good man like just suddenly all these doors started opening for me man and like but but going back even further like i um i studied multimedia that's that's what they it's kind of a dated term for it but that's what they call called it then so it's so just the internet stuff okay um when i finished high school and I'd been obsessed since I was about 16 or 17 with art crimes because it was like the first thing that I ever saw on the internet. Yeah, man, and, I remember um, it. So and good. It was, it was like about the only thing I ever really kind of, only site ever really went on the internet yeah. and all the sites that it referred me onto. Yeah. And I was hugely disappointed that there was absolutely no New Zealand graffiti on there. And, and I thought, no, like I want to be part of like put in putting my country on the map like we deserve to be there if mainland china's on there you know what i mean
2: yeah
1: like it's like of course Australia's. there. like sydney and and melbourne you know had really and brisbane had really big scenes and really active writers but i was like we've got a dope little scene too and i want people to see it so you know like i i was very determined to get new zealand graffiti on the internet was Brilliant. like my first thing and then and then the next thing was like doing the like the festival
0: that's um like uh, that must have been such a feeling like to think oh, no we're not being left out of this we've got this we've mm. got this here and mm-hmm. I think I'm going to do something about it like that's that, <laughs> yeah. you know that's quite a fucking just, undertaking but it just shows just how strong that, the passion was
1: yeah well you just realise when you realise that there's just like there's a niche you mm. know there's there's a void to kind of fill and it hasn't, hasn't been filled so you're just like man you know, uh, I, could, it's, I could tell you this I, it, yeah. it's, it's another
0: one of graffiti's teachings as well It's just like mm. You're looking at this list It's, it's like looking at a trackside Looking at a painted train It's like looking at a tag on a busy road It's up to you mm-hmm. mate You can do it mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. up to you We're not going to give it to you true. I can't write it for you yeah. I can't I, yeah. You know it, You've got to do it And that feeling that graffiti gives you You're like Alright I'll take that challenge and that's what you did. Mm-hmm. You were like, no, hang on, yeah. my name, our country's not on here. And we fucking shit. I'm going to do this. I'm going to fucking <laughs> do this. That's brilliant,
1: man. It was just, it was just wild to me. Like, to me, the idea of, like, there being a graffiti scene at that time in mainland China mm. seemed crazier to me than there being a graffiti scene, like, in Auckland. Because yeah. there had been a graffiti scene, like, as long as I could remember. Like, when I first moved to bit. Auckland, yeah. like, I can't... Yeah. Like I came, I came from a smaller town, you know, but we came to Auckland in 84 mm-hmm. and it was right at the height of like when smooth crew were like super active in our city and they, they were just very, very ahead. Like if you look at, if you look at the international section of like spray can art and you look at the, the, the one or two pages on New Zealand, like from that time, you'll see, you'll see these guys and they're badass. Yeah. And, um, and so I came, you know and had an awareness of them and then we had the kind of like the era of like straights and the kind of more la like gang graffiti inspired stuff which is still very like a very strong kind of energy like influencing energy in our scene okay Um, and that's got a lot to do with the the kind of the migration of like Pacifica, like, you know, people from the Pacific Islands, Samoa, Tonga, particularly like between like the islands, um, the west coast of the United States, and then also Utah. Okay. And that's got a lot to do with like the Mormon faith being like super prevalent, like all through the Pacific, but people were migrating between the islands, the US and and our city. And these kids were the culture bearers, you know, um, and they were bringing a lot of that influence back. you know, like photos of graffiti and um, the clothing, the fashion, the starter gear and the LA gear, shoes and NWA cassettes. And, you know, just like kind of that energy was coming that way. So in the the late 80s and early 90s, you know, like our scene took a real shift away from any kind of real visible New York influence and kind of went into this kind of different, different zone. And then we had a kind of influx of writers um, who were mostly Maori that had grown up for a period of their life in Australia and cities like Sydney and Melbourne that all came back and then kind of brought that knowledge and that dimension you know, that layer to it so then it was like kind of like how graffiti shifted into looking a lot more like the kind of the Australian graffiti of that time, which definitely had a much more of a New York influence, but then a a, a flavor and a kind of color palette of its own. Yeah, definitely. Very pastel and bright, you know, kind of like the iron Lac color range, you know, it's like kind of like that's all influenced by old, old brands like Tana and Tuxin, which were like shoe leather paints and the really beautiful colors and um yeah so man you know like we, we come off the back of that wave like me and my friends are like um we soaked up all that energy and all that influence you know we, we mostly all started off as taggers and then sort of you know we're looking at these people like Merckster and aranby and tank who are like you know very advanced at the time and um yeah, we were just you know, and they were like a, a someone took you know, it's like someone turned the light on, you know, like everything was black and silver, and then suddenly there was just this very elaborate, very colourful, very technical work.
0: Such a beautiful and, thing um, to come
1: across, man. Yeah, you know that's 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 the magic. That's the um the wizards, you know. Yeah, the wizards <laughs> of our time, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Fucking dope. I remember when you um you were on that two thousand and three trip. Uh, no, well, mm. I, I think I must have met you in '04, maybe 2000.
1: Uh, I think I came out. I came out to the UK in 03 and then I think I returned in '06. Okay, there I we think, go. That's I where I it went out, been. yeah. Went out to Brighton for Arrows Jam. Yeah, the Sleeping you know, the, Giants um, one. Sleeping Giants when I came out. it's the first time that I met like Revoke and Rhyme, and I, like we'd all communicated like online. It's like we were all talking on like MySpace. That was <laughs> and
0: then like, and that's, fucking mind yeah. blowing, man. I don't know if you remember the shop. Yeah, that was a crazy jam. I had this um I had these rooms upstairs from my shop. And uh, mm. I just I remember just walking upstairs one day and you were all sitting up there just chilling, <laughs> just sketching and chilling, and I was just like, This is unbelievable. And I think I also knew that you hadn't met those guys before. But the connection you lot made in front of my eyes was like you were best <laughs> friends forever. It's like you were all we on the all same was... fucking
1: wavelength. And um, I, I really, I really like, gravitated towards Revoke and Ryan yeah. um, at, at that moment. Like, uh, Ryan was terse and hard to communicate with. Yeah. He can be a very, like, hard energy. And he, he comes from New York. He's, he's yes. a born and bred New Yorker, you know. He's from from Brooklyn originally, and he, he grew up in in Staten Island and in New Jersey yeah. as well before he went to the West Coast. And he, he, you know, he's a trickster, and he's, you know, he's he's he's, he's, he's you know he can be hard work if you you know before you get to know him, you know. Yeah. But I was drawn to him, I, I just I, I saw him as a motivator, you know. I saw him as somebody that was kind of pushing the scene. His energy
0: and was a lot. Was just, man.
1: Mm. revoke was just kind of like i mean revoke was way more social like yeah. immediately like he uh, uh, as soon as i rocked up he was just like yeah man like you know, jump on the wall like um yeah you want to rock some characters you want right to paint my next me like whatever like and i was just like damn this guy's like super cool like way cooler than i expected <laughs> you know like, Amazing. um yeah it was it was cool we were we were all sleeping at arrow's house yeah um, I actually I, I came to that jam. I didn't come. I wasn't invited, like originally. Like I came with it's so weird because you know it's like I came with like the Montana writer Team, like German oh, Montana writer yeah. Team. Like that's your Cantu I, I connection. Flew, I flew over with like Cantu and Atham Smash. And oh, I remember and 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 Rudiger. Yes, and Rudy, then, yeah. yeah, we yeah, and then they were all like kind of like. They all got kind of hotel rooms or whatever. And then Arrow was just like, no, you can just like crash at my place. So I was the only one that got kind of split up from them. And then all like Sever and Revote, Ryan. Pursue. And then like there were a few, yeah, Persuade. And then there was Pursue. a couple of Italians. There was some Italian guys saying there were three Italians. <clears throat> I remember them really clearly because like I hadn't hung out with many Italians. So I hadn't really learned that. Italian way of, like, not really giving a shit. Like, I of just very ca- casual and don't care. But I remember these three Italian that were, like, subway guys. It might have been, like, Viper and, I think like, it was Viper. Crew.
0: Yeah, it
1: was Viper. I, I remember... Th- I remember them, they were so funny because I remember they, they all got like stripped down. They were sleeping in the living room and we were all kind of hanging out in the living room and they got stripped down to their little like tidy whities, like their little da dun da yeah. as uh, as Revoke called them and jumped under this one blanket and they were sharing one pillow and they were kind of having this sort of three-way spoon <laughs> on the floor which everybody thought was like hilarious but, and they couldn't see any reason why that was weird. Yeah, like, they what were you just doing? like looking at us like, we just with, going to what's wrong with you
0: guys? Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember painting with um, Mano uh, from Italy on mm-hmm. Brighton Beach one day and it was a blisteringly hot day mm-hmm. and we're, we're painting away and then like 20 minutes in I turn round and he's just standing there on his wife fronts like, he just took all his clothes off and just carried on painting in his wife's fronts and shoes. And it was like, you fucking mad Italians. Like, you don't give a fuck. Yeah. Amazing.
1: Yeah, Italians are definitely, definitely special. Definitely, man.
0: That, um, mm. that event was fucking, was, was mind-blowing. It, was, it yeah. was absolutely amazing and great for the city and you know the, the effort and the the work that uh, NT mm. and Arrow put into that was mm. was supreme but
1: what did that do for you like uh, going mm. back home that, that with that whole trip like I mean the amount of people I came in contact with now what you have to understand is like that trip 2006 right yeah so the um, second big one you we did we had we had won the right for gold battle right in good. our city yeah. And so, um, actually, like, I I went over a month before the rest of my crew, but I went over for, like, a month and, like, I linked up, like, straight away with, like, you know, with Cantu and that and and hung out in Dortmund a whole bunch with with Atom. And then, like, I met Smash for the first time. I went out to to Basil and he was really, like, really on top of what he was doing at that time. It was, like, really at, at the peak you know, almost his kind of peak, you know, he was kind of, I feel like what he did just a bit after there, we got this sort of got even crazier, but went out and he was the same age as me, but he he had done so much more, you know? And, um, so we kind of really clicked and then we were traveling around and painting. We went to like Heidelberg and a few other places, like driving around in his car and painting or whatever. And then we all went out to, to, to Brighton and then we met all the americans and blade was there there was That's a whole right. bunch of people it was fucking amazing trip amazing and um and then i went back to uh, to mine's where Can2 was from and me and him went to frankfurt and we picked up like basically my whole crew so amazing. like a whole bunch of TNDs like turned up and then we had this it was like round 2 it was like a whole another month but with all of them oh and my on that God. trip On that trip, I got really inspired because, like, uh, Smash took me to, like, paint some back jumps and shit, and I hadn't really been active on trains in my city. Like, I had got caught, like, quite young painting steel, so I'd just been mainly, like, a trackside rider and, like, painting some big walls and stuff. But I got really motivated to go back and basically really get into focusing on, on painting trains And one of the other guys in my crew was really on that vibe and had been doing a lot. And that was the moment where we kind of like realized, oh, damn, there's this knowledge that we've kind of been exposed to here and everything. We could kind of take that back and apply it like we hadn't been doing like back jumps and Terminators. We hadn't been really like kind of looking at everyone just been trying to focus on painting the yard. Yeah. So we came back and we brought a whole different mentality to it. And, you know, yeah, we kind of got really inspired by that, you know. Got really inspired by meeting Roy and Gary. Yeah. Uh, see, Actually, NT was uh, sort of doing really amazing shit at that point too. Fucking like, sick stuff. Kind of like... Yeah. Like the production that they did um, at that jam, at the Sleeping Giants, was like fucking amazing. I was that the Wu-Tang one? Like, damn. No, it was like... It was all like kind of like... I'm trying to remember. It was kind of like they had like crazy helicopters and kind of like yeah, yeah. It was like yeah, yeah. It was it was really good. Yeah, I just remember being like, damn, these guys all super technical and really interesting. And Roy kind of really blew me away as a person, just this kind of energy and it just seemed like a really original person, you know. Mm -hmm,
0: Very much. And of course,
1: and then he kind of like at that point just kind of really took off to like you know, it was a very creative moment. Flickr was really kind of like the platform that everybody was sort of yep. sharing their shit as well. So then there was like a really, um, I think, like encouraging culture on that that particular platform, and a lot of a lot of um, people were really motivated. We were all kind of competitive with each other, like in a really good way. <laughs> I wonder, like, um, how, like, I think the impact
0: of you coming from New Zealand, mm, like, gave you this. I, you know, like, like the art crimes list and getting your country in mm. there. Like, it really mm-hmm. it, it really made you stand up. Like, mm-hmm. not not to say you're coming from a lesser place at all, but just to shout about the place and say, we've got the stamp too, we do this. And mm-hmm. we can learn and we'll take your teachings as well and we'll, we'll put them to use. And, mm. like, to have such a worldwide exposure... Within what must have been within mm-hmm. your first decade or so,
1: you know. Yeah. Like, well, I started. I started. I started painting. I started painting in '93. Okay, cool. but uh, you know, but I just wasn't because I'm 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 um, I'm 41. I'm almost 42. So like, cool. we're Same similar age. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, st- I started painting like in the early '90s, but I was like a tagger, you know, yeah. um and I wasn't a very prolific one either. But that was like my mentality, and then I started like fucking around with pieces in 94 Uh um but i I wasn't very good i wouldn't say i got like really really like the bug like super focused until like 96 or 97 and i was really fortunate man because i'm like a byproduct of like you know like alternative education Mm -hmm. like I, i i met i met vince when i was at like mainstream high school but yeah um I wound up just through kind of a series of events, like doing my last two years of high school at an alternative college. And it was a school where a lot of other writers had gone before me. And one of them um, had actually like painted like a mural on the school. Okay. And I was really fixated with that possibility. And um, And this art teacher that I had, yeah, yeah, this this art teacher that I had like noticed that I was really like kind of waning kind of on the art side of things like he people he was like it's weird because I know of you as an artist yeah and I know you're a creative kid and you hang out in the art room all the time and all your friends all the other kids do art but you don't actually you're falling behind in the curriculum uh-huh. and um he said what is it going to take to kind of get you engaged and I said well you know I'm just not really interested in this curriculum work I'm interested in painting graffiti And that's what I'm doing because it was a school where you could be really frank and honest. And um, he said, well, I'm, I'm really curious to see what you, what you're doing. Do you have photos? I said, no, I don't, I don't own a camera. And he was like, well, um, why don't we take the school camera? Oh, good. And we'll make a class of it. And we'll let's, like, go and take photos of what you've been doing. And I said, well, it's all down the train lines, you know. It's, like, on the train tracks. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's all good. <laughs> so it makes it, sense like a, a school trip to the train lines. <laughs> to Fucking walk down the western To take photos of what me and my friends have been doing, which wasn't great, you know. It's like we were pretty limited back then um, with our materials, what we could rack or whatever. Yeah. And, took Took him down and he had a look at and everything that we'd been doing took some photos and my stuff and vince was already he was already living out of home by then so he him and icon and a few other guys were like kind of a bit more advanced and doing their thing and i showed them bad or whatever it's like you know would be a bit more like these guys from daft crew you know <laughs> like showing them their pieces and then uh, it really, it really hit this. Um, it had an impact on his teacher. And sort of couple of days later, he's like, you know, I've been been thinking about it a lot. Like, I think that you could paint because that year was internally assessed. It wasn't like you, you're great. You weren't graded by external kind of uh, graders. Right. You know, Like, so he was just like, um, I really think that you should focus on painting and spray paint at school um, and really kind of developing that. Um, and he goes, I'm going to make a deal with you. If you focus for the first two terms, school terms on, uh, working on the curriculum and being extra like diligent, like even doing, coming to life drawing, cause they used to do like community life drawing classes after school and stuff right. for, like, you know, the wider community, like you've got to come do all the extracurricular shit too. Yeah. But if you do that and you're really like an exemplary, like kind of like, um, participant in this like um then I'm, I'm willing to put it to the school meeting because the other weird thing about my school was everything was decided democratically amazing vote and students and teachers had an equal vote amazing so it's like yeah like we'll take it to the school meeting that you can paint the buildings of the school or your work or photograph it and then that's going to be those will be your final boards for like six form you know that you can submit i was like that sounds fucking amazing Asking so hell we took it yeah we took it to a school meeting and they were like into it and uh, next thing like the school was buying paint for me and I was like practicing and getting good and at the same time they they bought like a multimedia capable computer Uh like an apple mac you know with like an early version of photoshop on it and like no one was really interested just this guy dylan reeve who's was into like video editing and has gone on to become like like a pretty well known editor and kind of director.
2: Uh-huh. Um, he
1: would be up there working on like little movies and things, and I would go up there and I'd practice um, with Photoshop, drawing with the mouse. I used to draw like photorealism using Amazing. the mouse, and and uh, practice all of the you know my color schemes and I worked out how to cut, you know, cut back and do all these yeah. things like digitally, and then I'd, then I'd go outside and practice what I'd learned on the computer on the wall um, with the spray paint you know mate and, what um, an amazing fucking
0: yeah. injection at this, at, whilst yeah. you were growing in that graph world to have this like mm. educational injection which you can mould into it mm.
1: I was so lucky man like I was super super blessed man to have that experience like uh, I I, wrote to that teacher like recently uh, I hadn't seen him since then like he, he left that year uh, and, like, he went over to the UK to like kind of pursue his own art dreams like as sort of okay. being an artist and um I found like there was a Facebook group from my old school and I asked about how to contact them and and a teacher like told me where to find them and I wrote to him and him. Um, you know like really sincerely I was like man you have to understand like you completely changed the whole course of my life that yeah. is it's giving me goosebumps, bro. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's giving me goosebumps.
1: That is fucking amazing
0: because listen, Elliot, you you put yourself in that position for him to be to see that and to come up mm. with that route that like be inspired to come up with this route for you. Like it inspired mm. his teaching in order to come up with that that scheme. Like you you put mm. that in front of him, but mate, to have the chance, luck of having that guy who was up for being inspired in that way, yeah. That's beautiful, man. And just, that is,
1: and just a super, super weird ass school filled with like kind of old hippies, old hippie teachers, you know, who were just like, you know, like totally down with the idea. I think, I think they made like one caveat, which was like, I had to paint a canvas for the common room first, and then uh-huh. everyone would judge whether yeah. I, it looked serious or not, or if it was just ridiculous. And yeah, I, I took it so serious, you know, like because like. I, yeah Like the paint Was not flash. Like we couldn't get access To like very good paint At the time So I oh, think I, I painted The whole thing In, pla- in plastic coat You know like <laughs> But um You know And the Classic. school bus yellows Were the only ones That came with like A, a decent outline cap So I would yeah. go and steal All the All the caps off the school bus yellows You know <laughs> Make sure you had enough It was a fun yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, before, like, I'd kind of worked out how to order shit off the internet or anything
0: like that. <laughs> that's a well, fucking you know, that's amazing mad. injection, that's man. That's a, mm. a beautiful crossover. And it's it's those things that, that really help, that really help. Mm. Yeah, having that type of injection, it's, it's like, you know, meeting the older writer. It's like, you know, me meeting State of Art mm. and Kane 101 in that room. It, mm-hmm. Those experiences that really, like, because when I first met those two guys, I didn't know what I was going to go on and do, but they planted something in me mm-hmm. um, and yeah. a direction. And, you know, it's it's like with this teacher. You didn't know that, you know, 10 years later, you're going to be on a plane with fucking Cantu going to a foreign country like with a, with a German <laughs> going to another country to paint. Yeah. You know, who knew? But that's all part of mm-hmm. the story. It's all part of the If if
1: that teacher hadn't been there. God knows. Yeah. Yeah I know It's super wild to me man Like seriously we I, I, I had like um another influence That was really big I don't know like Have you seen I've, I've been kind of Podcasting myself recently yeah. But I've been doing like These these like Auckland graffiti Like history discussions I'm loving and, them, you know, like man uh, Yeah and then I, I've just been Putting them live They're pretty rough you know But um, I had a really good conversation Last week with Mean PFE oh, from mate. London The fucking dog Because a lot of people don't know I know A lot of people don't know He lived in New Zealand For a year and yeah. he lived with With me and my friends And we were super young And fresh out of like School basically And then he was shipping And he like Turned up and started Doing a whole bunch of dubs Like around the main roads And everything we were super hyped To meet him I bet He ended up coming Living with us And it was like The fucking craziest Most fun year Like it, I had a conversation with him last week, and I was just in tears at some points because he hasn't changed. He's still he's, oh, he's got still so him. Much Energy,
0: yeah, the dude's yeah. fucking full of it. <laughs>
1: amazingly, amazingly
0: so. Yeah, he's still hitting up hard got,
1: here. Still, mm, he's got good, good energy, and um, and he's very enthusiastic, and, yeah. and he he knows how to how to enjoy the fun side of things, and he he made graffiti very fun. You know, which was which was really cool. And one of the things I was so inspired by him was his ingenuity, his ability to work with just about any color. Mm. You know, and to, to put the weirdest color combinations together. You know what I mean? Like seriously, like the weirdest color combinations and make them work. He's you know, and then he's, so he's been mind blowing for years, people, man. And a lot of people don't know that his father is like an abstract painter. And, yeah, you know, you know, and um and when you kind of put that together and you see the way that his father puts colours together, you sort of realise that he's had he's had this influence early on. When, and, um, um, but you know, he he had a big impact on the scene, man. He really he really did. He um he's a he's such a fucking character, man. He
0: told me last year about <laughs> his dad, and yeah. I, I was literally like, "That's fucking how you did it." Because for years, <laughs> for years, you're just mm. like, "How is he doing this?" Well, how the Mm. fuck is he choosing these colours and these patterns and these these infills and, like, where is this coming from? Because it was just so different. And then you just kind of let it go. You're like, I can't even Mm. think about it. I can't put my mind to it. I can't figure that shit out. And when he told me, he's like, no, my dad's an artist and he paints his I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, thank you. Because I literally thought you were an alien. Like, this wasn't making (laughs) sense. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. I think the other part of it is because he's such an illegal writer.
1: Mm-hmm. The dude
0: is a true out and out bomber. Like he is, mm-hmm. you know. It, and so to have that that flair to his work was so baffling. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that guy, man. And when when I heard about the New Zealand stuff, and I haven't had a chance mm-hmm. to check the interview yet, but I'm really looking forward to it because I love him. You, you know, I what? love him.
1: It was a really long interview, and and it was really good and really candid. Yeah. Um and he he was so funny, like he, he is, just said yeah. so many things that just like made me laugh. You know, like because it just <laughs> took me back. Yeah, it just took me back to those times. You know, and his his memory was still really vivid. Yeah, and we, we we were kind of jogging each other's memory. You know, which was which was really cool. And I'm really glad I had that conversation because it's like, um, what I've been trying to do with this series is um, I'm working on a book project and Brilliant. I've kind of got this really rigid kind of um narrative that i've created about what Mm -hmm. the auckland like graffiti history looks like and i realized you know if i put this out there in this form i know people are going to come and really contest this and be like you know what no like i gotta have the conversations and every time i've had a conversation with somebody i've i've totally been like woken up to a totally different perspective or i love it a new piece of information, a new gem, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's a really beautiful time to have this con- these conversations now because everyone's kind of between 40 and 50 or even yeah. in between 50 and 60. And um, so there's a whole bunch of ego that's just not there anymore. Yeah. People yeah. are really grounded, they've got a mature perspective, they're really, they've like, achieved kind of, other things
0: like, in life. I think it's amazing the main
1: achieved, Is that, Every single one of them has achieved amazing things in their life, you know, so it's yeah. just like, it's such a beautiful time to talk to everybody. Yeah. I'm just like, damn, you know, these are the conversations that I was, I was never mature enough to have yep. when I was young. Yep. And um, these are the conversations that maybe in a lot of ways, none of us were mature enough to have. No, no one was. Man. Own, yeah. No chips was. on I our think, shoulders.
0: Yeah, all yeah. of that. And, and you know, mm. just trying to be something, trying to be that mm-hmm. next thing or trying to be like, trying to be whatever. And as we have become adults, this is why I, I'm so in love with podcasting. What a fucking medium. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, these candid conversations, these never-ending, you know, two, three hours at times conversations <laughs> that you just don't... We would never have done at any point in our lives before because we would have been too young and impatient. And obviously the medium wasn't there. But you're mm-hmm. right about this, the lack of ego now enables these conversations to be so big and inspiring and understanding. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I would have never had the time with Mean to have that conversation about his dad five years ago, never mind about 10. You mm-hmm. know, it, completely different mind states. But he's, you know, actually quite weirdly, my neighbor is one of his old bosses. Literally oh, on dad. the other side of the wall hey. behind my studio, he's got a Mean canvas. And I was like, how come you've got a mean canvas in your studio? And he's like, oh, he used yeah. to work for me, he's a chef. And I was like, yeah, I know. He's like, oh, yeah, it's my catering firm. Blah, blah. And that's how I met him again. Um, but I wouldn't okay. have had that adult-to-adult conversation with him for him to just be like, yeah, yeah, my dad's an artist. He would have never told me that ten years mm-hmm. ago. And rightfully so. Yeah. We don't do that. Mm-hmm. And you're right mm-hmm. about the age thing, man, and the importance of getting these these chats. and whatever picture we thought it was like you're saying with your book mm-hmm. you're like oh actually mm. there there is more and the shit i forgot and there is another point of view and there's a oh I mean, someone saw that action differently and the fact that we can be that honest about it now i think it's a brilliant thing definitely i agree
1: I i'm agree. loving i'm loving what you're doing it's, out it's, there it's super healthy it's super healthy to finally have these kind of um adult conversations, yeah. you know, like, um, you know, and just to kind of just be grown up, yeah, you know, cause like there's, there's, there's a whole bunch of really kind of weird toxic kind of shit with that sort of comes with being young and, and a kind of really ma- male kind of dominated kind yeah. of scene and everything. So it's, it's just been really wonderful to kind of like, I mean, honestly, I felt so much closure and so much warmth, um, from talking to some of these mentors and these heroes, you know, brilliant and um, some of, some of them were hard, you know. Yeah. They were very hard <laughs> on me and my friends. When we yeah. Were like, <laughs> and, and now they're just like you know they've all progressed. You know, yeah. they're, they're just doing really super interesting things. They. Cringe mean at the mean things. was never like that. Mean, mean was always fun. You know, like he was just a straight up fun guy. Yeah. Like he 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 knows how to live life. Like yeah. The first time I seen this guy, he was um you could just see the kind of the happiness kind of um radiating off of this guy definitely, <laughs> <The sky. laughs> definitely. It like he's still the same yeah he <laughs> loves <laughs> it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah Fucking dope. it was good it was, yeah it, it was awesome man.
0: back to the story um mm. after those trips and the right for gold and the you know the european travel and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. Going back home to New Zealand and then starting to build this career again. And I remember there was this—you started that movement uh, niche, yeah, uh, net- netching niching. <laughs> so that was like mm. it, it was seemed like it was a culmination of everything you'd learnt on those travels, and you'd got back mm. and you just literally like upped your speed like by a hundred. Like your well, head was full
1: of inspiration. Truthfully, to, to give credit where it's due. Um, we, in 2008, we put, um, we put Burst in TMD. Right. And he came from, he came from a, a, a younger crew. It's like a couple uh-huh. of generations younger than us, but they're called okay. g back. Yeah. They were very, very prolific in my city. Uh-huh. And he, he just kind of emerged as like a real force of nature. And I actually was kind of in a weird space where I could have probably, easily have slowed down at that point and kind of to right. focus on other things. Cause I, I was starting to get focused on art. Yeah. And, um, me and him really struck up a really strong partnership and he was always in my ear and he was like, man, you know, like I love what DTS are doing, you know, like so yeah. trees and you yeah, know Seiko softballs, like blends, like all these guys from, from Brisbane and like, I like I knew they were really good and I, I kinda I already knew like Seiko and Blends, like they had come over and like come and paint the trains and shit and they were like really like probably some of the coolest people I'd ever met. Like they were just like such magnetic and hilarious people. So I like I liked them. But I didn't I didn't know the full breadth of what they were doing, like like kind of production wise and everything until uh-huh. I went over to Brisbane. In 2008, for this like um, like a Iron lack like team wall, okay. I went over with Fat and um, and Ramoni is like one of the crew photographers, and um, did this giant production with the whole Iron Lake team. But you know, Soffles and Trees were like just completely like they were just completely driving that production, and like they were doing shit that was like super flared out, and then shit that was like super skinny and really tech. And um they were really fast. And they were really like limber, like they would kind of just like navigate these like scaffolds like it was nothing like, like monkeys, you know. I was just like, damn, these guys are really fucking like amazing, you know? Yeah. And um and then, you know, I had spent this time with like the Germans and particularly Smash had like a massive impact, you know, kinda just yeah. like him and Assam were kind of really drilling me. Kind of like to think differently about how I was painting. I'd I, I gotten really static, like a really victory, like kind of really graphic with my yeah. stuff. And I had done the kind of more 3D stuff before. And Atom was like, you need to bring that like 3D kind of energy back to what you're doing. I think that's going to be your way forward and how you're going to like kind of do something original and different to everybody else. You've got to kind of combine everything you've learned and bring that 3Dness back. I and love then the like Germans, painting man. With the Amer- Americans, I would just seen how important scale was in painting. Like, you don't care about your paint, you know? Yeah. 2007, I, I got sponsored, you know, by Iron Light, like, which just kind of suddenly made paint really accessible and easy. So I just started painting, like, really big and, like, I didn't care. And I really, like, kind of pushed that onto Burst as well. I came back from that trip to Brisbane. I was like, bro, you're right. Like, we have to, like, we have to step it up. Like, we have to just do something so next level. Like, we have to really work it. So we did this wall. It was, like, him and myself and then Elliot Francis Stewart, right? Um, yep. Deus. He's, like, sick fucking illustrator from our crew. And we did this wall up on um, Pointon Terrace just off K Road. And we made an agreement that between Burst and I, we were no longer going to um, paint our own pieces. Uh, We weren't going to treat each piece like an individual piece. We were going to work in unison and we're going to work cooperatively across both pieces and fuse our styles together. Wow. Um, And we were going to take all of this kind of knowledge and techniques that we've been kind of learning. We were going to, push our 3ds in different directions and kind of twist our letters and think of them in a real spatial way. We were going to flare our shit out kind of like what Ryan was starting to do and smash was doing and kind of really maybe even take that a step further. Like I think we sort of started using Astro caps and, and things kind of really became a thing. We were going to mm-hmm. make a really performative kind of thing. Like we knew it had to be like kind of cool to watch on video, yeah. <laughs> you know, and like, like the seventh letter was doing those seven day, like projects at that point. Mm -hmm. So we sort of really kind of got it in our mind that video was like a really great medium to kind of like show the kind of, I guess we kind of like really pushed that kind of the trick style of painting. Like a lot of people have kind of embraced that in the last few years. And kind of like, it's a like highlight reels of kind of all the like points where you really hit, you know, like it's like kind of like a skate video or something. Yeah, yeah. And so we kind of, we're bringing that mentality to it yeah power moves big time and so we did that first one and then um we showed it to Softworks and said was like fuck you man we're like <laughs> that's so good like he's like i'm gonna fucking go so hard like i'm gonna burn you like i'm so go so hard i've gotta and he went and like fucking painted this like absolutely insane piece like a week later in response and we were just like fuck we've got to do that." like we're gonna really so there was this like healthy energy and it was around the time of like you yeah, Ryan was doing the, um, doing the whole, um, God, why am I like having a mental blank right now? I'm tired. The whole project where we were all like fucking trading outlines and everything. Oh yeah. 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 The exchange. Yeah. Exchange. Damn. Thank you. Um, so anyway, he was doing that. Groundbreaking. So he, was really vibe- he was really vibing and pushing people to collaborate, like, and to yeah. kind of take energy from each other and kind of like incorporate each other's ideas in different ways. So, was just a really creative time man um the whole term like niche um was because we were just making jokes about it oh this piece is like neck level like in new zealand like i don't know if you know the whole thing the neck minute thing like neck minute or neck level it's just like slang like neck like n e k, like just short for like next okay and like and then so we were like yes neck level it's neck level (laughs) and i think like I, I think, like, I don't know if it was me or Burst, but we were just being ridiculous. We're like, it's next, It's neck echelon. Like, and then, like, <laughs> I, I think I said it was neck echelon, and then he was like, yeah, we should just call it niche." Like, he just, like, for, for, for next echelon. So we just, like, we just, like, coined the term, and it was a total end joke. It was super stupid. It was never supposed to take off, but we just Mate. kept saying it so much because we were really caught up in the joke. We started doing these walls. Like, I think the next one we did was, like, a three-man niche, like, where we got Stray on the wall. Yeah. And then it was, like, we, we went three ways where we all worked on each other's pieces and you didn't know who had done what. Then we did one, like, on another wall where vents and um, and Shake, they joined us. And so they were also incorporated, and you couldn't tell. So it was right. between five people. Those and walls. then we did one, like... Yeah, we did a TMD one where we had nine writers on the wall, and all nine people painted on each other's pieces. Like, Fuck. and then we would also kind of take whatever we took from those sessions, and then we would integrate it into like our own pieces. So anything that got kind of thrown into the into the mixture was yeah. fair game. Yeah, and, so and then furthermore, you start to share the skills. Mm, and then furthermore, like that—that that was extended to anybody else that was kind of in our little conversation you know like so vans and 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 softwares you know trees you know rhyme like we consider rhyme to be part of that conversation yeah. in that moment so there was a lot of vibing you know and it was it was, yeah, Mate, like those, said, it was walls,
0: so those walls were groundbreaking like literally made the world shake like when those pictures start to turn up in i think graphitism was still being printed and Flickr Mm. was obviously in use. When those walls started Mm. to go round and it was blogs, it was Mm. just fucking. I remember many conversations about those walls with friends of mine. Just and the level. And to to find out that Netch was part of a joke because it was so serious to us. It was
1: so serious, <laughs> and like, I mean, it, we we took it serious too. You know oh, of what I mean? Like, of course we did, you but, did. But but, the, but just the whole naming of something, yeah. you know, like it just it, it was so ridiculous. You know, that's but brilliant it, to hear where how it came from. Started, you
0: know? that's brilliant yeah. to hear where it came from because we literally it was it was brand you know RT crew vibes and town mm. and like mm-hmm. they, they were doing a lot of great production work, um, mm-hmm, and I remember the, the bafflement from them. And the, and the inspiration that they felt from those walls that you were producing. And um, not that they mm. went and did it, but just, you know, they had to then find their thing because they realised that there's so much more out there for us. And it's like you lot came with something so new in a culture that was already 25, 30 years old. You came with this, oh, here's the next level, by the way there's this and we were like what <laughs> what hang on we've just got to grips with what we were taught 10 years ago what is this it was
1: we thought we found everything and that and i mean and we felt like we felt like you know like like to like another reference point yeah you know? and, and obviously it really like, was. like revoke revoke was a big reference point but another reference point for us was like tyke and crush uh, uh, and yes. what they were doing in the early 90s. Of course. And like kind of really mashing together different kind of illustrative components and yep. stuff. Um, I really liked the um, artwork of this guy, Aaron Noble. And he was like collaging like Marvel and DC kind of comic elements together okay. in really kind of weird, abstract ways. And I got really inspired by him. Um, and then I got super into like all this like macro photography of like kind of like um crystal formations.
2: Yes. Like kind of
1: photographed through through microscopes. And I started to think really differently about color. Um and just kind of color combinations. And it comes back again to like mean and R and B who were like a massive influence. And then it's like a lot of the kind of psychedelics and things that I was I fucked around with when I was a teenager and it kind of changed the way I kind of thought about color too. Amazing. So I started to realize, you know, and it was, you know, that kind of sponsorship with Violet, like I kind of knew, you know, these colors are really bright and kind of ridiculous and kind of vibrant, but there must be a real sophisticated kind of way to work with them, you know, rather than, so I don't do things that look like a really classic nineties Australian piece, you yeah. Know. So there was just, like, a lot of things going on, you know. And, you know, like, I, I'd i been hugely influenced by Smash, and I had a really good friendship with him, and then I had a really famous kind of falling out with him. And he sort of really came for us. Like, he kind of really accused, like, a lot of us in New Zealand of kind of really, you know, kind of ripping off his, his kind of, you know, style and stuff, which made us really staunchly... Want to prove him wrong yeah. You know And just to show him That we were really Deadly In another way You know So Yeah I, it, I think that was spell well, actually I remember that, mm, that, that That little maiden I, I, I think I, th- I think From our whole situation Like I really feel like soffles and Burst Just kind of rose Out of all that And kind of became Like Incredibly innovative And really powerful And influential Graffiti writers Globally yeah, Like soffles is a a real force of nature burst has the most original letters like letter formations he's just such a sophisticated writer um he's just so different so committed i mean i i I put him i put burst in my top 10 of all time he's younger than me he's my like my little brother but i look at him like an awe. you know some days i'm like bro like where the fuck did you come from? Like, you crazy, there are you know? There is
0: literally only a handful of people that really do mm. stand out on the generation after you. And uh, mm. you're right, Burst's definitely in there, man. And Soffles, I mean, yeah, yeah. what he's been doing yeah. for the last five, seven years has just been fucking mind blowing. And um, yeah, I think he's, I think he's Royd's in there as well. Different. And I know Royd's a bit more of our generation, yeah. but mm. he re- he renews himself so quickly and yeah, makes oh, it he's, so he's, fresh.
1: Like he's, he's it's there's so no different. comparison to anybody. He's just as he's just in his own lane. Mm. But it's the same with burst. There's he, no comparison
0: to burst. There's no comparison mm. to Which We can see the inspiration in other people's work mm. Mm. off the back of theirs, but you can never reproduce. And uh, no, I think that's something that you lot must have taught really well. And I suppose it then goes back to what what you went through with Revock and Rhyme and Cantu and Smash. Like this, there was a real... What, the whole time you were just talking then, I was just thinking... You don't smoke weed, do you?
1: No, no. I'm like... I mean, I'm not like... You're I'm not, not anti it. good with weed. I, but no, no, no. You're just... Like, you know, occasionally, I'll smoke it. If I have enough beer, then I'll, I'll drink... I'll, I'll smoke a little something. I like, think... I'm, <laughs> yeah, I mean... I to, I to, I'm, I'm, I'm a belligerent smoker. I'm one of those people, if I get drunk enough, you know... But I was sober for, for 15 years. I think that's the so, shit, but, man.
0: I think yeah. the clarity... And the presence that you maintained throughout those years enabled you to be inspired mm. so clearly. And uh, mm. I've smoked well, since I was a something... kid and I regret mm. it now. Um, I love cannabis. I still love cannabis. I've had mm. to cut down my intake an awful amount, but, and it's mainly through mm. therapy and understanding presence. And uh, mm. I just, all that stuff you were just saying, I'm just thinking, now he couldn't have had time to be looking for an eighth as well. And smoking a joint, he didn't have time for that because he, he was too clear. Too much direction was there.
1: Yeah. That's you know, amazing. It's, it's a type. It's a type of focus that you can only have at a particular age. Too. Yes. Like, yeah. Good point. If, if, if I couldn't I couldn't put that type of energy into graffiti now, nah, like no. it just wouldn't make sense with my with my life. No. Um. There's just so many so many other things going on. Yeah. You know and. And I've evolved, you know, like well, it, it, it's, yeah. it's crazy. You know, I mean, you know, age and it, inspiration,
0: it's, like, it's a, it's a mm-hmm. real deal. And uh, there is yeah. so much you can be open to at 22, which you're never going to be open mm-hmm. to at 42. It's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's due yeah, to yeah. time. And like me starting my business at 21, 22, mm. it was only mm-hmm. due to the fact of things that I'd, I'd seen before me and things that were going on within the culture at the time and Steve's bringing paint over from Spain so it enabled me to bring paint to mm. Brighton. And it was just these, mm-hmm. it, I couldn't have decided to do it at 35. The other thing was we wouldn't have had the balls to make the decisions we were making in, the tw- in our 20s. You know, I mean, you wouldn't because it's not they're,
1: they're not sensible decisions. No, they're not, they're not sensible That's decisions. The point. Exactly, they're, they're, but, but, they're, de- they're decisions that are motivated by emotion. Yes, you know, like because you just are overwhelmed. Yes, by something that you just love and you just want to see it happen and thrive, and, and you do it, you do it, like irrespective of how it affects you. Exactly, health-wise, emotionally, relationship-wise, yeah. financially, you know all those things suffered, you know, like I I sort of realized at a certain point, you know, that I was just like so physically beaten out from this life. And, and my relationships were not necessarily the healthiest and my relationship to myself and my perspective of myself and where I exist, you know, in the world and, um, my, my kind of, um, my self image and, um, You know, and the toxicity of that served me super well when I was really competitive and driven to do something and I'm ready to fight for it and destroy anybody that, like, got in my my way, way, you know, like, which were really, like, fucking awesome and graffiti and totally, like, really counter kind of productive (laughs) traits to have as an adult human being navigating the world on on that level, you
0: know. (laughs) I was laughing with a friend of mine yesterday actually about, you know, being 41, still wearing new era. I had a hoodie on, I had some Mm -hmm. fresh Nikes on Mm
1: -hmm. and I'm
0: 41. And I'm thinking about the first time I met my brother-in-law and he Mm -hmm. was in his late thirties wearing some gap trousers, some shit trainers, like a fleece with a zip halfway down the neck, like just Mm -hmm. normal I'm not cussing him, it's just Mm -hmm. normality, but it's like he Mm -hmm. just got on with life and, you know, he went and got his business started and he had his kids and got a mortgage and da-da-da, and here I am, five years older than when I first met him, still look like I'm 17. (laughs) Like, obviously, with an adult view and I run businesses and I've got my son and my my partner and I nurture, but it's Mm. what this culture does to us... It really you do put real life to one side for an awful long time and you're right about saying Mm -hmm. about relationships suffer you know who are we as normal Mm -hmm. people who is elliot who is david you know that shit gets Mm -hmm. muddled up within the whole with all the paint fumes basically you know it's Mm -hmm. very hard to see so you we give an awful lot away but i think it tends to pay off if you get through it to like where you are now you know
1: Mm-hmm. I'm proud moving of my to, Moving now. to New York Was like The fucking healthiest thing That like I ever did You know On so many levels Like it was just like There's so many layers To what happened But what, going So how did you get there and just what was being, that just being like Really fucking anonymous In the city And like No one gave a fuck Like versus Living in a city That I've been my whole life Where everybody knows me Knows my journey Knows what I've done Knows yeah. my good My bad All my history Yeah Just going out there And walking around A really fucking big populated lonely fucking city you know was just like so good what brought you there um you know truth be told man love um wicked you know my wife is american uh-huh. um I, I came out of a, a very long relationship uh-huh. um which was like you know that's just like its own story and everything, but it wasn't yeah. like a long relationship. And I and and I, and I met somebody from the United States and I went on a limb and, and kind of went out there to kind of pursue. <laughs> and it was a very counterintuitive thing to do career-wise. And it, it put like a lot of my relationships with my family and friends on the rocks. And a lot of people thought I was super crazy to do it. Um, and I was you know yeah. like in some ways i probably wasn't in the best headspace you know like but um it turned into a really it, it manifested into a super healthy healthy thing
0: that's brilliant and
1: mate. um and, and it completely changed the course of my life and kind of helped me kind of work through a lot of a lot of things and get a sense of perspective and
0: that's nuts it it's just like really real
1: life called you like r- real yeah, life
0: called yeah. Like, not to say whatever mm. you'd been in before in terms of relationships wasn't real mm. life as well, but this one was the one mm. that was just like step up from all of that shit. Look at this! Like this is yeah.
1: It's just it's one of those things, man. Like you know, I'm I'm a pretty calm and rational person, but you know, I do believe a little bit in serendipity. Yeah, and I, and, you know, serendipity, and I am a little bit like you know, romantic in that sense. You know, uh-huh. and I do kind of look for for signs. You know, and I and I am nice. intuitive, you know, and I try to kind of follow follow things that kind of you know, allow things to reveal themselves to me and sometimes it's hard um to yeah. make a, 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 a big life changing decision. But um you know, like I, I did a took a took a risk and it's it's turned into like such a positive situation. But it's it's been challenging. Like living between two countries is pretty hard and yeah, I can't having imagine. a different past having a different passport to your to your wife is, is hard and navigating visas and, you know, just having thrown a pandemic on the top of that, you know, there's just complexity, you know, like, but, it, but it's cool, you know, it's like, it's given me like a really different perspective and um and it's been good, you know, because I've gotten, gotten really to the heart of like who I am and what I'm about, you know, like whereas beautiful, you know, before man. I was kind of, yeah, before I was kind of like a little caught up in, um, what it is to live in a place where everybody just knows you too well yeah, and things things start to matter that don't ultimately matter but they feel really kind of um, suffocating. Well I think the other thing as well
0: about being a graffiti writer and especially someone that got to the stage that you got to and are in, you're known as Askew mm. to millions mm. of people, it's Askew Mm. and you're like yeah mm. that's great but I have got a real name. And I've got mm-hmm. like real things like everyone else. And I like love. I, I like reality, mm-hmm. you know, and mm. for you to, to step away. Like, there's some writers in our culture that we know of that don't step away from them. Mm. They keep that name. Yeah, that name's right. the first and most important thing in their life. And cool, if that's how they want to live, brilliant. But I think, again, back to Jason, mm. seeing mm. that transition in Jason when he met his partner, I don't know when that was, but when mm. they had their child... And mm. this, I know he's never turned his back on graffiti, and never will. But there was this mm. whole. It became Jason came out of the Revox thing, and it was just uh. like, yeah, here, here he's sharing his r- reality because that world mm-hmm. we live in, full of wizards and fucking magic, it isn't mm-hmm. reality. It, it's an amazing yeah. builder, but um, well,
1: to to be able well, to you know, find, yeah, yeah, you know, mate. My- um, you know, that one, Charles, like him and him and his partner Diva, you know, they had they had their first kid like pretty young, and they uh-huh. have um, four children. They had four children wow. under the age of five, and um, they were like not the first in our group of friends to have kids, but uh-huh. they had four of them. You know, and they were very central in our kind of social group. So yeah, um, the kids the kids were around, and I saw that shift um, in them. To like be a really really good parent yeah to be really good parents and put their children first and to kind of let go of like certain hang-ups that the rest of us kind of got away with kind of having yeah. for a bit longer and um and yeah and then the graduates I've watched each kind of of my friends have their their kids and just kind of the way that you know like they just you know those kind of uh selfish ambitions kind of They kind of drift to to the background a little bit and suddenly it's about somebody else, you know. And um and and it's really really powerful, you know. It's Mm. admirable though, man.
0: It really is admirable. Mm -hmm. It's admirable of all of you lot who have who've done that thing and shown us because you're no matter how again, back to the whole thing about how how old I am or how old my peers are, or or whatever. Mm. The fact that you know, you'll always be looked at as kings. These names we've been talking mm. about, and you'll always be inspiring. But to see the reality in your life, and to, like like these conversations, and like the book you're putting together, it, it's like it, it helps us. It, it, yeah. it continues to inspire us as adults. You know, it continues mm. to to have that massive, like oh shit! Look, look what they've done. Like they're mm. not just staying stuck within this one world. They're showing us what it's Mm -hmm. like in in the world that we see everywhere outside our own front doors that we choose to ignore quite a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. That's true. It's another another line for growing up on, another another thing to follow. I had my son at 20 and uh, Mm -hmm. I was only like six years into graffiti by then, um, five Mm -hmm. years into graffiti. So my transition into realising I couldn't just base everything on me happened quite Right. soon into my whole career I was still painting trains so and doing whole cars up to the age of it, him being four probably,
1: probably why you started your business so you no, know seems,
0: right? mate the first canvas I painted was of him when he was one he, mm. he was turning one mm-hmm. I didn't have any money I wanted to give his mum a present mm-hmm. and I'm like let me mm-hmm. try this canvas thing out and that was it my friends were mm-hmm. like dude there's your fucking money bro that's how you're gonna survive by mm-hmm. painting these things and that was the start of it but it, it you yeah. know it I had that you know that I was lucky, I feel. I was chatting to a friend of mine the other day, I didn't get to travel like my mates did in their 20s and I didn't get to do the white for golds and all that type of shit because I had a son, mm-hmm. I had a business. But it, it enabled so much in my life. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just I think it's admirable, man, that you, know, that you can put your hands up and say, you know what, I'm in love. Like it hasn't got anything mm-hmm. to do with graffiti or, my, or fame or adding to this acclaim I already have. There's someone over there and I need to go and be with them and mm-hmm. I, I, I love hearing that about you man and I think that's that's brilliant and well,
1: you, know, I, you, you know you know you meet you meet like the precise people that you're supposed to meet at the right time I do believe that you know and like mm. I said I, I do think I'm a rational person but you know and but and so that sounds very kind of romantic and irrational but you know um, I really do believe that, you know, like yeah. every, that's certainly been my life experience and, and this kind of later chapter, you know, in my life and meeting my wife and, and kind of the adventures that we've gone on and the struggles that we've gone kind of gone through and, and everything have been very, very essential, you know, that just uh, once again, it just kind of made me prioritize like completely differently, you know, in a different set of things, you know, you know and um, and it's been good, you know. Um, it's made me more, um, in a weird way, more unapologetic. Brilliant. You know, about what I do and more set in my ways, which is, you know, sounds really kind of not the most intuitive kind of thing, you know, but I just feel like um, there's something really important about standing your ground. Yeah. You know, about your, your particular kind of, you know, position and way of doing things and outlook and... um sometimes that doesn't bring you fast success you know when i look like some when i look at somebody like roy you know to bring it back to him i think that he is um he's a pioneer he's an innovator very much so you know he's a he's a trailblazer you know and um and a lot of people have imitated a lot of things that yes he's done and have have built their entire career off the back of ideas that he kind of did and sometimes he's not the first to be recognized you know but he's definitely the first to be doing things and I really believe I really believe in him and I really believe that he will be you know remembered as a very very significant influence he's definitely going to get his
0: place definitely going to get his placement and um, I think he's another person as well that showed the maturity of of producing mm-hmm. work and the crossover or what we perceive mm-hmm. to be a crossover it isn't it's just part of the journey um mm-hmm. you know it, it, there's there's staples in our culture that we want to mm-hmm. follow and and achieve and mark off but this coming of age thing this this understanding about other things in life and like you just said about you know being a bit more honest and a bit more blunt and a bit more you know Stand by your own convictions, it's due to I think Mm. that's partly due to the fact is that you stepped out into the real world. You step out of Mm -hmm. this this graffiti world where you're like, Well, look, I'll hold my tongue for this because I don't want to offend this person, I don't want to offend that artist. And I'll just chat to my mate about that. When we step out into the real world and we see the shit that goes on outside that fucking door, you're like, no, hang Mm -hmm. on one sec. Art's the thing, man. This what I'm doing is the fucking Mm. truth. Like, mm-hmm. and not 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 with an ego, just literally. Like, this is this is the shit. This is this is purity. Mm. This is this is honest, and this doesn't harm a soul. And um, mm. you stand by your conviction with it. And um, I think we see that as Daring. we're getting older.
1: Daring to be weird, man. Like, just embracing the weird. Yeah, like, I, yeah. I think I think it's like it's so important. You know, yeah. like honestly, like if if we can learn anything from you know, from looking at the art world or looking at the street art world or even looking at the digital art world and the kind of shifts in that landscape is that, Mm. like, a lot of really corny kind of generic stuff is immediately popular. Immediately. You know what I mean? Yeah. Immediately popular, and and that's more of a kind of um, indictment of the audience and the artists themselves. I think sometimes, you know, it's just like people flock you know to certain things very quickly yeah um the, the the people that are kind of the stalwarts you know the people that just kind of hold the ground and aren't really kind of immediately successful are the people that interest me more yeah um the people that just kind of like have a singular vision and, and really really push for that yeah. and um and are fine, fine with being weird you know I think I think that's that's a really beautiful space, man. I think that's really where creativity lives, and um, yeah, I think I think I think there's something in that, you know. I think that's
0: that's I'm really that's,
1: that's certainly what I, I strive to be, you know, like more in that space. Yeah,
0: I'm really looking forward to theorists getting into this culture mm. mm-hmm. and talking about the the origins, but the transitions and the the outcomes of our lives. Mm and not mm-hmm. David in particular, I'm not talking about my life in particular, I'm mm. just talking about us as a, as a culture because mm. it's it's such a strange place to be and such a, you know, we go through, especially if you get to levels like yourself, like Roy, like Ryan, and you achieve, the things that you've got to turn away from in order to pursue real life and understand and learn from real life Mm. is Mm. I think there's a lot in it man there's a lot of psychological stuff goes on within those those times and those (laughs) those questions like what you've been through for the last three years say there's a lot of psychology Mm. in there you know and understanding of yourself Mm. in order to step forward and keep producing but also nurture relationships and deal with a pandemic and find work Mm. you know and Mm -hmm. it, it, it not just be about the next big wall to get the ego rub to you know, fuck it. I'll just eat a chocolate bar today. I'll be all right. I don't need any money.
1: You know. Yeah. It, it's um. I mean, I count myself. I count myself as really lucky that I've been able to like have some conversations with like some really good people like mm-hmm. around this type of like people that have had longevity. Like yeah. Um, the first one was like, I, I, I don't know, it was years ago. It was like probably like twenty eight or twenty nine, and like um, I got to interview Dose Green like a magazine one time amazing and that conversation really like changed my life because he he talked about um having the ability to kind of completely destroy and rebuild yourself
0: yeah and
1: just how how vital that is which is like definitely a mantra that i I kind of have lived by ever since it really really affected me and um the other person was futura because and future has been super generous with his energy over the years, but just his ability to kind of like understand where the next direction is.
2: Mm.
1: He's he's not often the very first person to do something, but he's usually in the first handful. Yep. People that kind of like understand kind of where culture is going and he, he kind of really navigates and kind of rides that wave really comfortable while still retaining a really original and distinct kind of person, personality and he's um, he's had that vision you know and he's been extremely popular and he's been not popular at different stages of his career but he's had a self belief and he's kept like pushing forward and you know um, he's had to do other things for a living at certain times and you know like he's seen every wave and I just think I, I just think people like him are, it's, we've got to listen to them you know it's yeah, really important to like when they do an interview or when they talk and to really soak that up and listen, because it's, it's really good advice, man. And they offer like a great perspective, you know, especially him.
0: Yeah. He's a fucking, yeah, you're you're fully correct. I think that that basically reaffirms my belief of how important it is to make sure we have these conversations within our culture and we do archive properly Mm. and we, Mm -hmm. we get these real facts and it isn't just off, an Instagram post and a load of comments underneath mm. it to make us understand. Because yeah. if if we don't look after our culture now, if we don't document and archive now, mm. the next generation or two generations down the line, they won't it just won't be there for them. And all there will be mm-hmm. will be this whole picture, like I spoke about earlier, where you can be a bummer or you can be aspire to be someone like Cause, not the mm. names that we've spoken about, and not the the, the genuine, you know. Solid work uh, that we spoke about. It's it, there'll be it'll be just such a wash because there's no nothing concrete left. And I think that I was so happy mm. to see this Auckland history thing you were doing. And any country that does it, any artist that does it, um, I mm. think it's so important. I mean, I would love, I would love a real UK graph podcast. I would love a solid UK oh, graph podcast, but it, it won't happen. Because for some yeah. reason, our country just doesn't want to participate in that. And the conversations with mm. me are a bit deeper and a bit more personal. And I've done interviews mm. with king writers that I can't put out because they're not ready to let that type of side out from them, which is I, I understand, yeah. but I just think it's a bit of a shame. And so I, I'm I'm so concerned about our culture when it being looked after. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Because and the, the thing is, if we aren't the custodians of it, and we, we, we trust that into the hands of people that don't necessarily have the same genuine intentions. Oh, bro, like, Bro, look at the graph know, business
0: and, world. Look at the graph business mm-hmm. world. It, it's predominantly run by a load of people who aren't from our culture. Like yeah. in, in whatever Straight country up. you're in whatever country you're in these people have learned Mm. about business have seen a gap in the market and have manipulated it which is capitalism i understand that and Mm go and do your thing bro It's fine Mm -hmm. but please can someone from our culture step up and do some shit and um you know it's people will just tell tell our story for us and they'll do the shorthand version they really will do the shorthand version because it'd be cheaper to produce because they're looking for that markup and here's us. Yeah, I'm spending two hours yeah. of my day in the morning of a, of a business day talking because I love my culture. Here's you at the end of your long-ass day chatting for two hours <laughs> about our culture, because it's so important that it won't happen mm-hmm. in a commercial world. And um, yeah. we're right to get this down now. We're, we are right. And mm. I just hope, mm. you know, Instagram and this instant fame. An instant dopamine hit shit doesn't overtake too much. This look I am talking quite negatively. There seems to be a massive wave of this going on, of this mm. oh actually, let's hold on to this stuff. We've got something to say. Um we've got yeah. something to put out put out. There's a graffiti write a score from the UK. Old school king. Yeah, he's amazing, man. And what he's been doing for the last year, you know, he got put into he got put on furlough, whatever. You know, he couldn't go to the office anymore. Mm. And he's literally spent the mm-hmm. year producing books. And it's been fucking mm. amazing. He's made the best books so on our awesome. culture. And it's just been like, okay, cool. There might only be 100 or 200 of them printed. It doesn't matter. They're on our shelves now. We've got them. They're never yeah. going anywhere. Yeah. And it, it, it tells a story of time. And it, it, it puts perspective on our cultures. And it puts respect where it's needed, man. And, yeah, mm-hmm. I think it, for us to then be open as we are here like i really appreciate how open you've been on this conversation like because then it involves it helps inspire those young who haven't a hundred percent gone into graph or whatever culture they're going to mm. pick up but understand that oh whatever culture i do pick up i can always still be me i can always still find mm-hmm. the, the the person i was christened as and you know try and make that shit happen you talking about love in the middle of a graph podcast is is fucking inspiring <laughs> i went here for love not for fame not for money not for, no i mm-hmm. went here for love that
1: is that's so human and we need we need we, that shit you know the the, fu- the funny thing is like cuz i think a lot of people like when i would come home mm-hmm. like the weirdest thing that happened about moving to new york was like suddenly like i mean i'd struggled for years in my own city and then like i moved to new york and then suddenly i got like um, I'm validated on some level because <laughs> I live in New York and people know yeah. it's a very tough place to be so I would come home and people would be like um, oh so you know where do you live now I'd be like oh, I live in New York and would be like New oh, York shit. wow And you know like so, like, wow you must be so flash yeah. like, it's like oh my god if, if you saw my life in New York and just kind of how <laughs> challenging it is yeah. you know like it's just a challenging fucking place to live like point blank I mean, doing your fucking laundry is a hassle it's yeah. just it's just a hard place, you know what I mean? Um, it's a special place. And people that live there are really at the top of their game. But, I mean, seriously, like, when I got there, it was like, it was a miracle I fucking held in there for as long as I did. Like, And I think that goes for a lot of people that live there. Yeah, definitely. Like, people that have been born there, it's just a miracle that they managed to stay there. It's like 8 million fucking people there, you know what I mean? And they're holding <laughs> the fuck like, on. Yeah, holding it on, you know, it's like a a small portion of super fucking wealthy people that live there comfortably and then just everybody else is just grinding and hustling, you know. So hard. And um you know, and I'm I didn't go there for my career like, you know, I could have gone so many other places if I was really focused on my career. Yeah. My career really my career was really like um on a hiatus. Like what I was doing was developing as a human
0: perfect and
1: as a byproduct as a byproduct um i really developed as an artist yeah. because it's like the two are linked you yeah. mean, you can't you can't do one without the other you right. know so I, I was lucky you know but Mate, i mean, i missed the place i never got to say goodbye to that city i came to new zealand for what was supposed to be 10 days for a mural project yeah. and now you know i've lived, been living in san jose and that's, um and now i'm back in new zealand so yeah.
0: that's gonna stick with you man and it's gonna there'll be you know that feeling will probably stick with you that you didn't get to say goodbye but it, something mm-hmm. will come
1: of that feeling yeah you know? yeah it's like a, um, we we joke about it a lot my wife and i like we talk about it like damn do you think we could, we could ever go back do you think we could raise a family there like is that sensible? You know, like, what is, what, you know, what does the future hold? You know, but, yeah. you know, we're, we're at a stage in our life now where we're just like, after a year of uncertainty that everybody's gone through, um, it's, it's time to kind of create some sort of more certain pathways and just kind of put some roots down for a minute to exactly. be sensible, yeah. you know? Yeah, uh, she's as much rate. of a, She's as much of a transient drifter as I am. She's lived in... San Jose, San Francisco for ten years, LA for over a year, and then New York City for five years, you know. She's, like she's seen it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's she's always that person that's like she got to New York and she had a backpack and an inflate an inflatable mattress, you know. <laughs> yeah, so it's like and, and just did the thing, you know. So and then, you know, I turned up a year later and um, with a backpack. You
0: know, ready to and, roll.
1: And moved in. I think you know she had she had managed to buy a bed by then, and like you know, <laughs> like had had a few more belongings, and then we we managed to make a home there, like over the next few years. and we bought a couch and we bought, you know, bits and pieces of appliances and a rug and, <laughs> and hung around on the counts. walls and took over the lease on a, not the lease on place, but sublet a of the place and got roommates or whatever and whatever and, and did the whole thing and it felt like home. It was, it That's amazing, home, man. You know, it was like, um, yeah. But it's like you know the amount of people in that city that have got that exact same story <laughs> <Nuts>. <laughs> came from somewhere else you know and trying to, to just try to make a work you know come with nothing fucking crazy man
0: that's a mm. uh, that last year must have just been yeah this last year has been such a mind bender for you and the tearing apart yeah is, you know and then yeah. finding that actually everything's okay we got there. We got yeah. to the We're getting to the end of this thing now.
1: We're yeah. getting to the end of it. You know, we we don't know where we're going to end up. No, like, we might end up. We might end up back in the US. Like, um, but we're here for now, um, just for a while, and getting my wife a visa exemption to come here. and Lining up the the managed isolation booking and then a, a corresponding flight and then. Having a you know test for COVID, like having a negative test seventy two hours from departure, and then doing two weeks in quarantine, and being tested like three times in there, and just kind of all of the kind of things. It's it's, it's wild, you know. And we're here. Um, and yesterday was the first day that I just had to <laughs> kind of like decompress and just like be like, damn. I mean, I felt like you know the weirdest thing that happens is like when you land. And you go into limbo for two weeks. That is fucking weird. Lagged. I never got jet lagged the whole time. And Be- until yesterday. Because you walked straight into that, and- yeah. Yeah.
2: That is yeah, fucking
1: it was, it was That was weird. We both got it. It was strange. Like We were like wrecked. What on earth is happening? Uh-huh.
0: So back home. Well, back in your homeland, should I say. Mm-hmm. And um mm-hmm. just going to see how the next few months go, I suppose.
1: Yeah, yeah. My wife has a six-month visa. Uh-huh. Um, it might be a little less than that because of the time from where, you know, it starts from the time she got accepted, which was, like, it was probably sort of a month out from when we travelled here. Okay. Um, we've got a, mu- a museum show. Um, that's opening on the 27th um, of March. In Auckland? So that was uh, down in Lower Hutt, which is, okay. like, closer to Wellington. It's just okay. outside. It's in the Wellington region. Um, it's a TMD show at the Dallas Museum wow. that we've actually been working on for two and a half years Fuck. Um, and so that's big um, so I'm travelling down there, we're driving down on Saturday uh-huh. um, and we're starting to like the the technician's have already been installing the show for like the last wow. um, week and a bit um, we've got to go down and build three installations down there we've, we've built the bones of it, we're just sort of doing all the set dressing and everything yeah and then we've got an internal mural to paint um and then we are doing a mural festival our own one that we've coordinated kind of internally within our crew so it's a, a graffiti it's a tmd and graffiti focused mural festival like down in lower hut so we'll be Fucking painting hell. For, yeah we'll be painting for like four or five days doing that and then we've got a, an opening on april 1st before the easter weekend and everything so um we'll take a day off after that and then we head back to Auckland and um yeah I guess that's that's kind of as far as I planned at this point we've got a that's couple of brilliant. things in the pipeline yeah a bit of work down in the South Island and um um maybe a maybe a show maybe even a, a show like we've kind of been playing with the idea of a, a collaborative show of me and my wife working together because she does um photography all right and um she, so we've been thinking about integrating our work together in an interesting way. So we're, we're still experimenting with the work, but yeah, that's kind of about where we're at. Um, I, I'm really hungry to work. I just, I just haven't worked for a long time. I've, yeah. <laughs> I've just been, you know, I've been enjoying this time, but I'm, but I'm ready to make a little bit of money because I've, I've just kind of hung in there uh, yeah. in San Jose for the last nine months. And I sold a few works on paper here and there and, just kind of juggled a few things to, I, I found myself doing a lot more administrative stuff for my friends back here. Cause, um, it's been open. So they've been really busy. So I've done a little bit of like, you know, ordering people's paints and coordinating you know, things, yeah. you know, like doing all the liaison with the clients and doing all that sort of stuff. And I became a spreadsheet guy, which I've you know, <laughs> never really been to, so. <laughs> uh, oh, you know, good. making, keeping an eye on the budgets and paying yeah, people man. and coordinating videographers to document things and running a few social media campaigns for things and just doing all this sort of stuff from San Jose, just work I could do remotely. But yeah, like I said, it's been a challenge. I got to like Christmas time and was like, oh, my God, I don't, I don't know how we're going to make it through until like this trip in March. You know? Fucking nuts, <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's, Still came to the rescue and licensed a couple of um, images from me. For, he works for, for a weed company. Wicked. And it's like license, licensed a bit bit stuff for some packaging, which just was absolute, like, godsend. I was just like, I totally forgot that he was going to do it. And he was like, oh, have I paid you yet? And I was like, oh. Oh, shit. Yeah, oh, yeah money. Fucking, fuck. Uh uh Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he paid me, like, just right at the point where I was just like the brokest. So it's just like, damn, like, so lucky, man. Just so lucky for that network of friends, you know.
0: I know that feeling, man. I know that one. Mm-hmm. I know that mm, one. I
1: think a lot of people do it more than ever at the moment. So yeah, yeah. It's 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 been it's been wild, you know. But we're here. We're at my parents' house at the moment. Um, it's comfy. It's good, you know. Good. And um, we're going to hit the road, which is going to feel liberating and great to, to do a road trip. Definitely, man. Yeah, I mean, so... even in the height of things in the U.S., I mean, we've done a few little road trips, like in nature, we went to Yosemite and went to Truckee and went to Reno, like just to, you know, Lovely. just to have a drive and explore, yeah. you know, which was really cool. Just all those things that are kind of, and we hike like nearly every day in San Jose. We live in, in the hills, so I see deer and coyotes and foxes and snakes and, you know, um, just honduras you know all sorts of shit it's like amazing so there was there was definitely
0: so much to take out of this this experience over the last 12 13 months there's so much Mm. positive in there it's been obviously overshadowed by a world full of horrible media and news and obviously deaths Mm. and illnesses but there's Mm -hmm. definitely been that whole pause you know to, to take mm-hmm. to take that time to hike, to be able to have your eyes open to see coyotes and condors and,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, it's, mm-hmm. there's definitely, we can't, we can't, and I don't think you are, but we can't be overwhelmed by the sadness. Um, mm-hmm. We've got to really, like, find that great bit and, you know, keep it with us mm-hmm. on, on this
1: next stage. Well, it's, a, it's, it's the only way you're going to survive. It's the only you way, know? man. Um, you know, and that's and important, like, the... The pandemic was this very Omnipresent thing for us yeah. um, It kind of was just Happening but At first it wasn't like a lot of people We knew got like directly like Sick Yeah. Um, but then with the second and then third Like subsequent waves In California yeah, You know like um, and, and this is a little different from my wife's experience Because she was in New York during the kind of peak Of that first wave when New York was the epicenter But and these more recent waves of, um, you know, of a pandemic in California has gone from us not really knowing many people that got it to suddenly everyone we know got it to now people we know have, you know, elderly family members and mm. family members that had kind of like health conditions, underlying health conditions stuff, and that have now got very ill or died. Um, so it's 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 very real, you know, and we are very respectful of that, but we know that part of, coping and and having a good survival kind of mechanism is is keeping yourself not allowing yourself to become stagnant um keep, keeping active and keeping creative you know oh mm-hmm.
0: well, bro that was um, a fucking amazing conversation man i really really appreciate it um yeah it's been it's been an absolute pleasure and i'm glad we got to connect again after all those years so um tell me about this museum thing quickly
1: yeah, so the twenty seventh um, is the kind of soft opening, and it's open to the public. Um, and then we've got the mural festival running right through till the first of oh, the thirtieth, sorry, of March, and then the first of April is like the season opening for the museum. And the museum's actually the show's on for six months. Um, so is, is it's yeah, it's really cool. We've we've done some really crazy shit. We've built a full full scale replica train car, like. Of of like the model that was like we were painting um, around two thousand six two thousand seven and we got a you know we built all sorts of stuff a South Auckland like corner store like a dairy you know with the Street Fighter two machine out the front like it's 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 all there it's, it's a full environment and um, yeah so it's gonna be amazing dope wicked man
0: really fucking looking forward to um to seeing yeah. uh, Thank you, seeing man. all of that online obviously wish I could get out there. But, um, well, look, thanks again. Amazing conversation. It's been an absolute pleasure, and um, I'll catch you very soon. Big up.
1: It was really, really great time for chat, man. Uh, my eyes are, my eyelids are heavy now, though, so I'm definitely going to go crash
0: <laughs> Well, how dope was that? I've really missed this, and I'm really happy to be rescheduling. I loved Askew's story, like all of them. His passion really ate into him, and he really paid attention to that. The dividends paid off. His work is mind-blowing, inspiring and unique. And it was great to hear about that teacher seeing those capabilities in his early years and putting faith in his work to make it part of his schooling. If you're a teacher, keep that in mind. Look what fucking happened. Nurture and consistency is what I mainly got out of this. I'm like that, predominantly in business, and I learned it from graffiti, arcade, rare kind, remain consistent. But it was great to hear a story fully about creativity and producing art and the nurturing Askew received and he also then put into his work and the consistency he sustains to keep pushing, Come on, man. The most dedicated. Ask you. I hope you all enjoyed that. I'll be back very soon. Check the website, f24podcast.com, and spread the word. Art wins. Love your city and love your culture. This is F24.